0: Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome to another week. Just to live, life, wrestling show. Got Mike Maul in the other line. Here Hogan, that's myself. Hey Mike, what's going on, man?
1: I'm doing good, man. I've been to a couple of good concerts recently, so I've been enjoying that. And <laughs> I was just thinking of some funny stuff. We're going to get into just some. We're going to get into some inspiring stuff with our guests today. We're going to get into some dark ter- territory as well. So I thought I would just bring up some funny stories that I'm sure a lot of listeners could relate to. And I'm sure this one's happened to you because you walk your dogs a lot. So anyway, I was just thinking about I walk my dogs every night, I run into the same people most of the time. A lot of times I run into couples, and I'll say hello. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but you, have you ever noticed that when you say hello to a couple, a lot of times only one person answers? <laughs> 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 As if the other person is too lazy. It's like if the wife says, I say, hello, hello, and the guy says, quiet. Or the guy says, hello, and then the they, wife's quiet. It's like, why can't both of you say speak, hello? They or speak, just they one speak on each other's behalf. Well, <laughs> <laughs> It just shows that there's there's studies that show that when people have been together, where it's marriage or any kind of relationship, that they start having this brain deterioration where that they rely on the other person's skill set. So if one person takes care of the accounting, the other person has no clue how to do it. It's like, uh, how do you go to the bank? You know, if one person pays the bills, the other person does not know how to do it. So if they ever get divorced, it's this amnesia that they have to deal with on how to do things that they used to be able to do, you know, before they were together. And this is a funny example of that, but I tell you, it happens to be every day. And it happens often. Sometimes I just want to ask people, sometimes I just want to stop them and say, Hey, why did you say hello? <laughs> and then the other one that Craig, the other one that irritates me too is when you're driving along and you let someone in your lane, right? And they don't give you the wave. I'm like, Hey, I expect a wave, all right? I didn't have yeah. to let you in, so I expect some acknowledgement yeah. here. You know? <laughs> that one always irritates me, too. It's like, what, you're too lazy to put I your hand up for a second?
2: give them a hint. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is what politeness looks like?
1: <laughs> yeah. It's just funny little behaviors you see consistently around. It is so, it's funny yeah. when people have these these programmed responses, right? So sometimes they'll say, yeah. Well, they're supposed to say thank you, but they'll say you're welcome because they're misfiring.
3: <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's, so you do something.
0: Well, you say hello to them, you say hello and they're like, good. I'm like, I didn't ask
3: you. Right <laughs> like, slow, well, slow I'm down. guilty
1: slow, of that one. I'm guilty it. of that one myself. <laughs> slow it down. Okay? <laughs> we haven't made it there. You, you know what? You know what's coming because you're used to someone saying hello, how are you going? So you're just cutting right to the chase. You know? <laughs> Hi, <That's laughs> good. good. I don't care how you're doing. I just want to say hello Yeah, I take that. I take. I take that cue from you. It's like don't add. Just say hello. Don't say how you doing because people are going to tell you. you know. <laughs> (laughs) Exactly. That is funny. Oh, man. But yeah, we have one of our favorite guests on the show today. We've got Melia Kaplan from Voice for the Animals, one of my favorite organizations. I'm an enthusiastic supporter of them every one month. And she's been on the show before, but it's been a while. So we wanted to catch up with her. And not only are we going to talk about all the great things she's doing, but she's also been through some traumas in her life. And she's an example of someone that has the ability to navigate those traumas and put them into positive means. Because I always feel that if you've been through serious trauma, there's really three paths you're probably gonna end up going down. One is you embrace compassion fully and you find a way to help other beings. The other one is you become self-destructive, right? You become really depressive, and this can lead to drug abuse, it can lead to self-destructive behaviors. And then the third one could be you're a violent person to others. Now you're basically perpetuating what happened to you you didn't have any power when you were abused and now you wanna be the abuser. So these are pretty three common paths that many go down. And I really feel if you don't pick the compassion one, you find a way to turn the negativity into a positive means and to the benefit of others, that you're gonna go down the other two at some point to some degree. But anyway, okay. before we get into any of that, I'm oh, sorry, Melly. before we get into any of that, let's just get updated on all the great things you've been up to. I know you were in Greece recently and you're always yeah. doing amazing things.
2: Oh, thank you, Mike, and Sincere, thank sure. you for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. Well, yeah, we're doing just a whole bunch of stuff. Um, one of the things that I'm really excited about is uh, is this training program we're doing in Greece. I've been uh, working with LAPD for many years, and uh, Voice for the Animals is one of the founders of the Animal Cruelty Task Force because years ago when a group of us, uh, mayors somebody from the mayor's office, the attorney, And the police and I, and we all got together and we said, you know, there's, no matter whether anybody realizes it, there's a connection between animal abuse and human violence. There's no doubt. And that was long before the FBI recognized it. We recognized it and we said, okay, we have to put together some kind of task force that People who are armed can go after people who abuse animals. So we had an uphill battle because at that time, it took us six years, by the way, to get this going, what they wanted to do is put the city LA. they wanted to put it under animal services. And the four of us said, no, no, no. People who abuse animals are violent criminals, and they must be met with people who have arresting powers and have guns. You can't put right. an unarmed human being in front of a violent criminal. You can't do it. Right. So we right. fought and fought and fought and... And we finally got it in, into LAPD. It is now a major part of Los Angeles Police Department. It's called the Animal Cruelty Task Force. And these are officers who are trained in animal cruelty and go out on on egregious animal cruelty, burning, stabbing, you know, horrible Hmm. things like that. Neglect is still left to animal services. So after we did that, I then said, wait a minute, there's a lot of other police departments in the world where this kind of training would be very advantageous. And being part Greek, I have spent a lot of time in Greece, lived in Greece, and said, wait a minute, I will see if that's something the Greeks would be interested in. And Lo and behold, for some reason, they found me when I was in Greece a couple of years ago, and I went and met with the Hellenic police, the chief of police, and he said, would you bring trainers, LAPD officers, to Greece to train our police department? I said, I'd be honored to do that. So we did. And the first was a seminar in 2015. We did a seminar in which we had uh, over... I think 350 officers in that room, maybe more, and the whole idea of the seminar was just to show why it's important because so many people think, oh, animal abuse, it's got nothing to do with our species. Well, wrong. So we gave lots of examples. Actually, LAPD gave lots of examples, and we had a prosecutor from the Attorney General's office in Virginia who is an expert on animal abuse, and she also gave examples of why kids and adults, what the connection is, the cycle of violence. And being part Greek, I thought, oh dear, I don't know if they're really going to be interested in this. So (laughs) I told LAPD and I told everybody up on the stage, I said, listen, when you get to questions and answers, if nobody raises their hand, just call on me. Well, I didn't even have a chance. By the end of that lecture, there were like, I don't know how many hundred people on their feet asking for questions to be answered. LAPD was treated like celebrities with photographs and everybody liked everybody on Facebook. It was an amazing success. We also did it at the Academy. So that great success then led to what's happening in September of this year. Hmm. September 15th, a month from today, we are having now the training for the officers in the Hellenic police, which is to show them how do you do this. We told them why you do it, now we'll show them how. And prosecutors will be trained, judges will be trained, and of course police will be trained. And this is very exciting because this is really a consciousness changing of the whole country, and I'm so excited to be part of it. So that's one of the things we're doing, the intent to be, is to put together a um, prototype that we could then take to other countries. We're already talking to people in Cyprus, other countries, about taking it around the world to other countries and training police departments. So I'm really excited. That's one of the things we're doing that I'm very excited about.
1: Yeah, I think one thing a lot of people don't realize is that people that abuse animals, that's just training grounds. That's a serial killer in training. Exactly. That's where they're getting their feet wet right? So some teenager that kills a squirrel or, or tortures a dog, it's not going to stop there. That's, That's just right. the beginning. That's, That's right. they're, they're just getting comfortable with that. And then you have to ask yourself, don't you think there's something wrong with even that alone? You know, Forget about what it could spiral into.
2: Of course, of course. And you know, the, the seven school shootings that took place across the country between 1997 and 2001, every one of those boys had com- committed acts of animal cruelty. Hmm. So had they've been caught. At that stage, think of the lives that could have been saved, as well as the lives of the animals. So this is something that, when I was in Greece in 2015 for the seminar, the FBI released um, some information saying that they now consider animal abuse to be a Class A indicator crime, which means it's part of that cycle. It's the first level. If you stop it at that level, it doesn't go on. And I was really excited that the FBI has recognized this.
1: And I so think that, you, you and I had a conversation where I said now they have to look at things that they didn't necessarily want to look at, such as abuse on factory farms.
2: Yes, a yes. Oh, boy. You know? <laughs> yes, yes. In fact, the prosecutor in Virginia, Michelle Welsh, who's fantastic, who we've been working with, uh, just uh, had a trial with I don't know how many guys who abused I believe it's chickens on a factory farm. It was really a horrific thing, and they got time and they got um, they got fined for it. So I think more and more people are understanding. Uh, to me personally, and I know Mike, you probably agree with this that any kind, anything that's going to happen in a factory farm like this, you're going to have abuse. There's no way oh, around. it. Yeah,
1: no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. I mean,
2: and if we trade that... Be- a.
1: Yeah. There's there's no way for it to be human
3: after a while.
0: Yeah, it's like when you do it over and over and over again, I mean, just you can look back and take it back in history, even with Nazi Germany. You know, there yeah. were a lot of those guys who didn't want to do that, you know. But then, yeah. you know, when you're forced to do it, when you're just, quote unquote, doing your job and then you just keep doing it over and over again, the, the whole right. moral aspect tends to just dissipate. It just went away right. because now, now you've been over right and you've kind of had this tunnel vision. You become like a robot with this thing now. I mean, it goes with any any habit that anyone does on a daily basis. After a while, it becomes the new normal, and you don't even question it anymore. So, exactly. it's just that's the sad part about it.
2: Yes, it is, and I, I just wonder if they looked into the backgrounds and of each and the foregrounds of each one of these people who work in factory farms and look at their home life. How many of those children and their own animals and their wives are being abused uh yeah, exactly. i just would love to see those statistics but i, I well, think we're moving abuse in as well. that yeah well, and elder abuse, yeah, abuse. How, how do you how do you, like, yeah, you how alcohol could abuse for person
0: well yeah. yeah it's like look at their you know what is what is their background by themselves when they get home it's like because you got to have some type of coping mechanism for this because at the end of the day you're a human being so you have to do something to begin to have to numb this and to, to do this to perform this task so you got to look at you know are they doing random drug tests on these employees as well to see if they're abusing substances or alcohol or something like Because You have to. There's just no way any decent human being in the beginning can just do this without. It's just kind of like <laughs> take it there. But just like a lot of times you see with a, you hear a lot about like exotic dancers, strippers or whatever. When they first take that job, they have to drink a lot or even in the porn industry, they have to drink a lot just to cope with right. what they're doing until it wow. becomes the new normal. And then you have to take it to another level. After a while, there's not enough vodka to help you, so you got to do something else: coke, heroin. Yes. You know, and, go, and you just go down this rabbit hole of things. So this is no different. Right. You know, even though it's two different things going, on, it's a factory farm and a strip club, but it's the same type of like things that are going on mentally that just is not normal for human beings.
3: For no, what it's they're a dehumanizing doing. So a different them. Different type of abuse. Exactly. Right.
2: Right. Forcing them to be dehumanized in some way, and they will act out, as you said. Uh, and right. this is. They had done a study, I don't know how many years ago, with the guys in Alaska who were shooting wolves from airplanes, the aerial shootings, and they went into their homes and found the level of child abuse and domestic violence was huge with that particular yeah. group.
3: Yeah. And
2: nobody right. was surprised. It didn't stop it. But there that's the kind of thing we want to look for next, to begin to connect the dots and say, okay, we got to bring down the violence in society. Where do we start? Well, here's a good place to start, with animal abuse. Right. And yeah. it's, it's really interesting because the cops in Greece are now gung-ho about busting animal abusers, and I'm just so beyond thrilled because animal abuse in Greece and growing up there, it was horrific. And in parts of Greece, it's still horrific. I will not go to Crete until they clean up their act with the animals. It's heartbreaking. I can't see it. So the cops now are really empowered, and I'm really looking forward to this training to see how that will change things once they have not only the understanding of why they need to do it, but now the understanding of how to do it. And the prosecutors and the judges will be also trained in getting that case into court and giving those people time. Whatever kinds of penalties need to be given, that is what will happen.
1: What is so, life like in Greece at this point? Because I know there's been some serious economic challenges with the financial the last
2: few yeah. years. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's very very hard. Um, I was just there just about a month ago, and I was um, very saddened in Athens. Um, there's a lot of graffiti. There's a lot of um, a lot of buildings that are not taken care of. Athens is a gorgeous city and one of my favorite cities on earth, and I was very sad about that, but. The Greeks are all old and strong people, and I know that they'll come through this. Um, yeah. The islands and the tourist trade is doing very well. It was 15% up this year. So it's going to take a while, but they will pull themselves out of it. But it's it's hard. There's, no, there's not a lot of jobs. And the unfortunate part is a lot of the very talented uh, younger Greek people who are maybe trained in computers or trained in other kinds of skills are leaving the country. Yeah. So... That makes it difficult on the economy, too, and on the country. So we'll see. But right now, you know, it's funny. Greeks will always be Greeks, even though there is a problem economically. When you go out in the street, all the restaurants are full. All the coffee shops are full. Everybody's (laughs) sitting out and having coffee and tea and laughing and joking and being with their friends. And that, that spirit is still there.
1: Right, right. I think that okay. it'll probably bring, it'll probably bring it out even more when there's yeah. so much, because you, you need some kind of release, right? When you're dealing with such hardships. You're going to connect with people more. It's going to bring people together in a way, and I think that's yeah. what ultimately keeps a lot of I
0: think it says a lot about. I think it says a lot about culture as well, because right. again, like Mel just said, Greeks will be Greeks. When this ingrained in your culture, this sense of community—you know—you yeah. pull, you all pull together during hard times. So this is not like what's going on in Europe now is not brand new. I mean, this has gone on for centuries. There's always been some type of hardship, whether it's. Plagues or some type of you know poverty or it's natural disaster or something like this. When it's in your culture to be communal and work together and go beyond you know, where family just beyond just blood or whatever, you know it's 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 a part of the culture. So this is pretty much like okay, it's business as usual. Like well, we've been here before. In fact, probably been through things. Far worse than the economic crisis that's happening now, compared you know compared to centuries ago, and fighting off tribes coming in, you know from other continents trying to take over and take it from you. I mean, these are you're talking about a place that's been that's been known for all the wars and the type of training they've done, you know, and the things they've contributed as well, you know, throughout yeah. time. So it's not something Brandy was like, okay, an economic crisis. Yeah, that doesn't even compare it to Hannibal trying to roll in here with elephants and take over everything.
3: So, you know, so. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know
0: stop fighting off that. You know, that's that's when you're talking about problems. Come on. Exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And speaking of elephants, um, that's another thing we're working on. Um, Billy, the elephant at the L.A. Zoo, is suffering right. tremendously. Oh. and we it's it's beyond horrific um, i don't even know where to start we're trying desperately to get him out we've got a sanctuary who will take him um, we have uh, several celebrities who are working with us but uh, you know politics runs slow and uh, which i will never understand how what's, the, an animal what's their re- what's
1: their reasoning yeah what's their reasoning the la's do for keeping this in this situation
2: it's property it's number one, number it's two,
1: property um, and profits. You know they want people coming in, and yeah, there it is. I don't, I don't, I don't understand why anyone. True. I don't understand why anyone supports zoos at this point. I mean, wake Absolutely. up. Absolutely.
2: Well, you, <laughs> you know, know I mean, ones, come on. Yeah, two things. Number one, people don't go to zoos just to see elephants, and we right. have done a study right. of the other zoos, like Detroit, like San Francisco, other zoos who've given up their elephants to sanctuaries. They didn't lose anything at the gate, so that's you know that's right. not. The thing about Billy is he's the biggest breeder in the country. They're trying to breed him, which is also insane, because elephants who've been bred, they don't last long. You can't breed elephants in captivity. It doesn't work. And Hmm. the methods they're using are, I don't even want to describe them in any form except horrific and just violent and brutal. So that's that's their reason. And, And as you said, you know, why support a zoo? I mean... I was talking to some politicians the other day, and I said, look, just think for a second. Look at Disneyland. Who makes more money? What organization? Disneyland or the zoo? Disneyland. So what if we got somebody like yeah. Spielberg or Lucas or somebody to design a zoo that would be educational and fun with no live animals? That would right. be incredible. How much right. money would that bring in? But you can, have, you, know, you can
1: have all kinds of interesting props now. I mean, the Universal Studios has that big, life-looking King Kong <laughs> exactly. One of their exhibits. I mean, yeah. you don't have to have live. I mean, I don't think you ever should have had live animals. Honestly, no live no. animals. And also in, in a lot of movies now, like War of the Planet of the Apes, the guy who played Caesar, right? Yeah, he talked about how you don't need to have real apes in anything anymore. Look how okay. lifelike the apes were in that movie. Exactly. I mean, it's amazing how lifelike they were. Exactly. Well yeah, It makes we me, it makes me wonder,
0: mean. like, who's in charge of the accounting? Who's in charge of the accounting departments at these zoos? Because when you really think about, because accountants are basically there to cut costs. So let's think right. about it. At the end of the day, in the long run, look how much money you would save by actually having this these more, like you said, like, you know, the CGI experience where you don't necessarily have to have the animals there themselves or you have this, 3, the, this 3D this 3 experience, this IMAX type experience, all these different right. things with all this technology. You have. Like you said, Melia, bringing in someone like George Lucas and, and someone like, you know, and, you know, you can bring in, um, you know, International stuff, ISL and all those guys. At the yes. end of the day, look how much you're saving because you're not having to take care of these living beings throughout exactly. the time from the time you bring them in to the time that they die because they're gonna die there. Exactly. Okay, because is and, and that, that costs more money. It's like anyone yeah, has a child yeah. can tell you this is a taking care of this living being for the rest of your life. It's an expense. So when you have, so just think about it, when you have an, when you have a, a sanctuary like a, a, a place like a zoo when you have all these living beings and they're not cheap. These animals are not oh. cheap. They eat a lot. You <laughs> know, it's yeah. like so. Any human with a child can tell you how much a child eats. Imagine what an animal eats. So multiply yeah. that times a hundred, and then multiply that times at least another four or five hundred. You know, beings with that—that's a lot of money you're spending right there. And also, like I said, to cut the bottom line, just just cut it out, man. You don't need that.
3: Just like well, with the circus? No Who Their
2: insane response. Their insane response is twofold. Number one, um, kids need to see live animals. Really? Kids don't need to see live animals. We went to the zoo. Guess what you can do high. about that. Yeah, we, we timed how much time a kid spends in front of the elephant exhibit. It's less than a minute. How much time do they spend at the concession stand? Six minutes. Then, what are they learning? Nothing. Oh, here's,
0: and here's how you combat that. It's like with all that money you're saving without having real animals there, you can provide yep. scholarships, and you can provide money for trips where these kids can actually take trips to other countries or whatever field trips exactly. and, and, and go fly to these other countries and actually go on a safari, you know, where yeah. they're in their natural environment. And do that. You you don't
1: don't even have to go out of the country nowadays because there's so many good sanctuaries, such as Elephant Sanctuary in Tennessee, and there's other sanctuaries. There's sanctuaries for chimps. I mean, there's sanctuaries for all kinds of animals.
2: That's right. And And there's one in Northern Northern California. Pause. And there's also webcams all over the world.
1: Right.
3: So it doesn't make any sense.
2: But when they got up and they testified, what the head of the zoo said is, "Well, everybody needs to have the smell." And the, and the
1: sight, the smell. <laughs> really? Really? We
3: should bring, we
2: can really. bring the, that the in and The smell in is
1: depressing. Yeah. Well, you know yeah. what? Yeah. If, you're
3: LA,
0: if you're in LA, if you want that smell, you can go to Skid Row. And while you're there, once you can go ahead and feed the homeless while you're there, you can get that smell and you can contribute by helping them out by feeding exactly. them.
3: Exactly. You know to exactly. So we're trying our so, that. It's, kind of like, it's
1: kind of like the analogy we brought up last time, right? Because we talked about this last time you were on. And I equated it to imagine it, Imagine if we have we had tours of prisons where you took a bunch of kids to any prison and you just walked around and you looked at people in cells. And these okay. are the worst people in the world, right? That would be considered unethical, though. they are like, oh, we can't have people coming <laughs> right. in here looking at prisoners. And these are the worst people ever. So why do we care about their rights? They're not animals at the zoo. It's
0: like things. <laughs> <"Ding." laughs>
2: so we haven't gotten there yet. I mean, some people are, are there, but the people who are running Forget the you. zoos don't get it. Most of them, some of them get it, but most of them don't get it. But I think we're definitely moving in that direction. I know that in Greece we have no zoo, and all over Europe, there are many, many countries in South America, too, where circuses are illegal and exotic animal acts are illegal. It's happening. People are understanding you can't do this. And the other part of this is these animals come from their own habitat. If we don't leave them in their habitat, not only are we harming them, we're harming us. There's no difference. Our
0: ecosystem. Yeah, yes, right.
2: exactly. Our to... <laughs> ecosystem is breaking down because we've taken them out. So, you know, and then the zoo says, of course, well, you know, they die of the ivory trade. Well, not necessarily. There's a lot of great things that are being done in Amboseli uh, by Joyce Poole. There's a great things that are being done to stop the ivory trade, and they're succeeding. They're dying yeah. elephants. Funks pink, they're dying rhino horns pink, they're doing right. lots of things. They have the guys who before were killing for for the ivory, now they're hiring them as guards. And they are paying them more money and they're being able to support their families. Because ecotourism is very large. So there's really a much better solution to all this than this old, outdated method of thinking.
1: But yeah.
2: it takes our species a while to get there.
1: <laughs> With the whole ivory trade, there's... Technology now where some have proposed essentially just replicating ivory, right, just making it in a 3D type printer or with stem cells, something along those lines. I forget the technology and then just flooding the market with it. So basically no animals are being harmed for this. You just flood the market with this manufactured ivory. Well, that, so that's really kind of helps for those.
0: Well, that kind of helps for those who actually just, you know, that purchase ivory as this showpiece in their home. But the problem you have, in a lot of Southeast Asian countries, they use that ivory. To, in their mind, they think that it cures cancer and it helps with eat with erectile dysfunction and, you know, in sexual. So that's the problem with the 3D printing right there. So it's kind of that takes. Takes care
1: about half the problem. Well, when, so it wouldn't the be the, three, even three, three even in it would, it, would, it, would, it would be you know, exactly the, ivory. It wouldn't be ma- it wouldn't be fake ivory. I, I'm using the wrong language. It wouldn't be made with the 3D okay. printer. It would be it would be made organically, just the way, just like with the same technology they're using same now element. to make meat. No, to make meat, like in vitro meat, basically. You yeah. can make meat in the lab now. That's already being done now. It just yeah. hasn't Absolutely. been perfected. But that's the future, whether people like it or not. The future right. is, is meat's going to be made in a – the demand for meat's not going to go down. We all know that. So what you can do, though, is just pivot and use this technology where animals aren't being harmed. And over time, it'll be a lot less expensive, which is the main thing that people care about. Let's be honest. The average right. person doesn't care about ethics. They, they care about cost, which is why factory right. farming is proliferating mm-hmm. is because it's cheaper. So if you find a way to make it even cheaper than that, you know, people are going to make the right decision for the wrong reason, you could say, but they're still making the right decision, you know, which is what matters. Yeah, so with this, with it's, it's not 3D printing, but it's something like that. It's like the same technology used to replicate meat can be used to replicate rhino tusks, rhino horns, rather, elephant tusks, etc. And then you just flood the market with this, so It just drives down the cost because right now it's a, it's a rare thing, which is one of the reasons why it's so expensive because these animals are going extinct. Right. So getting a, a rhino horn is becoming more and more rare as a result of all this poaching. Right. Right. So if you can actually create that something exactly the same, but you know, going back to your point sincere, I think the real, the real problem is just misinformation. But you know what? I talked to a guy in South Africa when I was out there teaching a course and I brought up the point you did about, People using this for as an aphrodisiac. And he said that that's a real Western myth. He's like, that's one of about a thousand things that wow. the Asians feel that the rhino horns is used for. Like, the main reason why they use it is not as an aphrodisiac because Viagra is huge in China. <laughs> you know? Viagra is huge yeah. all over the world. Everyone's talking oh, I have Viagra, Dallas, and A. Exactly. So, the rhino horn, they believe it has so many medicinal purposes. It just, then, like, the list is endless. That mm-hmm. that's the mm-hmm. reason why it's so coveted and so forth yeah, mm-hmm. awesome. but
3: yeah
2: that's
1: I'm sure
2: they can find other things that can that they can use I mean Chinese medicine is amazing there must be a million things they well, can well I mean use. it
1: doesn't it doesn't actually help with all those things so that's that's the other point is they believe it has <laughs> exactly. all these medicinal purposes but none of that has ever been proven the men- been proven exactly. A rhino horn is the same consistency folks. as your fingernail, basically. That's all it is. Exactly. Just cut off your carrots, fingernail and eat carrots. it. There you go. Yeah,
0: it's like wow. you nails. You know, just like,
3: just like yeah, how about this? How
0: about this Asian <laughs> <laughs> country? You know, especially China. You know, you want to help, you know, you know, eliminate cancer. Instead of going out and hiring poachers to kill rhinos, why don't you work on that pollution you got going on over there? <laughs> you know, instead of walking around with gas, you know, with masks on all the time.
1: They're actually doing a better job than we are right now. Well, they're doing a better front. job I mean, than us
0: you know, now, the, you know, which is sad. Yeah. It's like, come on, dude. <laughs>
1: <laughs> in terms of in terms of moving forward, I mean, they haven't lowered pollution yeah. lower than ours, but they realize it's an actual problem and they're actually moving in the right direction of technologies <laughs> while we aren't, you know, but that's another, that's another story, you know, altogether. But with the, with the whole rhino horse, tell you what, folks, I'll save all of my fingernails for the next for the rest of the year Exactly. Tell me where to to send them. (laughs) You
0: know, fingernails, You know, you know, I got dead skin, and you know that I scrub off on a daily basis. You know, because I, I like, I like to scrub. I like to, I like to exfoliate here. You know, I like taking care of my skin. So it's like I can keep, I can save all that up for you, and (laughs) We'll
3: we'll even put put together, we'll we'll,
1: we'll even put together a campaign where we get all of our listeners to cut off their fingernails (laughs) and donate it. (laughs) There you go. Wow. Next. Oh, <laughs> people are so stupid. Uh, it's so It's just it's just what moronic. There's so many the, thing, right the conversations nice. you hear.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Everything from what Mel you're standing with the zoo and everything else. At the end of the day, the one word that comes to mind through all of this, no matter how many excuses they come up with, the word here is lazy. It is, they're That's so right. freaking. They're not even stupid. They're just lazy. That's all it is. And they they, they don't they yeah. don't want to. Put in the effort to go through the red tape, do whatever, convince someone that some other older idiot, you know, who won't change his ways, you know, instead of just yep. firing them and getting them off the board and making these decisions, they just don't want to deal with it. Like, you know, what? It's just too much work. It's just, it, this is how it's been, and you know, maybe the next guy who comes in, he can do that. They're waiting for the next. They're deferring everything to the next person to come in and do it. And guess what? That person's okay. going to think the same way, and therefore, That's nothing's right. ever going to be done. That's
2: what. That's it is. right. Everybody's good news coming. here in L.A. as so we have. Can we have a council yeah, person who's been heading up the that's charge, great. Councilman Paul Koretz, and several others who are, who are working with him to get Billy out of the zoo. And so there is one council person, at least, who really has a great conscience and who understands that this is a real important issue to stop the suffering from this elephant. So we're mm-hmm. working very closely with Paul. And of how, course, how
1: that- much? How much benefit is just public support in terms of shaming? I mean, that's got to have an effect, right? We're just millions of people are going i'm not going to go to the zoo anymore until you transfer that elephant Uh, this is shameful you you would think that a lot of a lot of times corporations this is a separate issue but a lot of times corporations don't make the right decision until they have to they're not doing it because they want to be moral they're doing it because they're looking at all the millions of people that are about to are that are boycotting their products or about to boycott yeah. their products. They're going, okay, we better stop well, animal testing because we don't want to lose these people. Exactly. But well, here's the thing: you got to well, look at
0: also. You got to look at this also. You got a lot of schools as well. This is a part of yeah. a quote unquote education program. So instead of it's not necessarily just a private citizen you got to worry about. You got to worry about the people that are getting these. These corporations that are state funded, aka our education system, our school system, so they're making this part of their curriculum and making it where they're when you go to a zoo and you pass by a zoo, the thing you're going to see most in that parking lot is a lot of school buses. So that right right there, when you start getting when you start when the parents start speaking up and you start making them work, and it can happen because that's the reason why you're starting to see the elephants not going to be no longer at the circus because those parents when they're walking to that circus. And they see these protesters out there and they're screaming. They're thinking like, Oh my God, now my kids are hearing this. And these parents now have to explain to the kids why those protesters are sitting outside the circus so angry at the parents, but not at the kids. And so they're getting tired of explaining to their kids that, you know what, this is a problem. Okay, no more. You guys need to get rid of the elephants at the circus or whatever else. And so that's what you have to do. So you need to appeal to those parents and get them from, stop them from being so lazy and not just focus on their problems thinking like, well, you know, it's a big system. What can I do? You know, I'm just one parent, right? What can I do? You know, get them, go to those PTA meetings. You know, get outside those PTA meetings. Find out where these other parents, these parents meet up, you know, or at, or at these fundraisers or whatever else. Go talk to them and educate them, and that's what you have to do. And when they realize, because trust me, at the end of the day, no kid wants to, when, when a child sees an animal, any animal, they're, they're pretty much, there's nothing in their mind that says, I want to kill that animal or I want that animal to suffer. They think it's cute. They want to play with it, whatever else. But when you have to explain them like the ones in that cage right there, they're not as cute as the little duck that you saw at the pond. They're not living the life that that duck at the pond is living in our neighborhood. It's like that animal being treated this way. And that kid's not going to want to go there. They're like, well, I don't want to support that. You know, you, you, you'd you be amazed how brilliant children are. They, they're already born with compassion. They're taught anger, hate, violence toward living beings. They're taught those things. They're not born that way.
3: No,
4: okay. they're so not. That's
0: the thing about it. And no parent wants to be that parent that taught their kid how to hate and be violent. And, you know, at the end of the day, otherwise, that's why they're always like, I can't believe my, little Johnny turned out that way and shot up that school. Well, you should have known someone when little Johnny took his BB gun and was just shooting birds off the, the telephone line just for the I fun see. of it and, you know, and, and laughed about it. That was a, that was an indicator right there.
2: You know, exactly. He so
0: wasn't a misunderstood kid. You just weren't paying attention. That's the thing exactly. about it. That's right.
2: That's right. That's exactly right. And that's, you know, that's our next step is to um, open it out. We're just, certain things have to come into play, and we're working on that. It should be within the next month, but we're we're opening it out to let people know what the truth is. And we have zoo uh, vet records, and we have all the information from the zoo which shows the truth. And so mm-hmm. it's very hard to deny it when it comes right out of the zoo. Yeah, right. Although there there's was a there's a,
1: there's a... there's a new circus event in Vegas... That's pretty cool. It's at the Paris Hotel, and it's it's based on the circus from 1900, right? That's their premise. No animals whatsoever in it, and they have these props of these huge elephants, right, where these people are just operating it. It's not mechanical, but there's people inside oh, the of it. But it's, yeah, It looks, it looks. I mean, you can tell. I mean, any of any like of It's like the humanity a little you bit. Can tell you know, it, yeah, you can tole. tell it's not a real elephant, but it's authentic enough that the kids are loving it. Is where I'm going with this. Okay. Little kids are like, I want to, I want to go pet that elephant. I want to get up on stage, uh,
2: hang out that elephant. Are there still circuses in Vegas that are using animals? Not,
1: uh, not that I'm aware of, but yeah, I, there, I mean, there is, there's, a, there's, a, there's definitely things that are that need to be locked down. For example, just up the road from here is a place that. They don't call themselves the Lion sanctuary. Oh, that wannabe
0: sanctuary that you were talking about?
1: Yeah, they try to come off as if they're a lion sanctuary. And we went up there one time.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, the pros are these these lions are they're not in really small cage. They're in cages. So it was not ideal, mm-hmm. but they're not in cages like you would see in a zoo. The people there seem to be very good at taking care of these lions and so forth. That's the good part. Now, here's where all of that is nullified, though. They have a breeding program.
2: I was going to ask. A lot of these
1: yeah, a lot of these lions are older lions that are retired from these stupid ass shows on the Strip, you know, where they still mm-hmm. use animals. I think there's mm-hmm. one with these two magicians, even though one guy got mauled by the lion. You know, oh yeah. I don't know why there's. I don't know why they're still using lions in that show. Why would you want to be in the audience of that show when there's a lion on stage? Don't you don't you think right. there's something that could go wrong there? <laughs> you know? I mean, I don't want to be in an audience where there's a lion on stage where you know, that lion may be mad and jump into the audience and say, "I'm gonna." I'm going to die, but I'm going to take a bunch of people out with me. I don't want to be in that room. Yeah, look, anyway, I mean, I even see people. They're, they're, see they're, but people they're breeding. They're 20. breeding lions. That's the problem with this place. If it were just a sanctuary for a, for retired lions that used to be in shows, that would be okay. But the, once I heard they had a breeding program, I was like, all right. Now, what are they
2: doing and with I'm the lions? Sure. They're
1: breeding, they're breeding sure them for these uses, stupid shows. No, they're
0: used, they're oh, using. Okay. I was about to say no. I'm pretty sure the excuse would have been, "Oh, we need to breed these lambs because they're endangered over in Africa." You know, no, no, I hear so not, much crazy. They're not even pretending to be that noble.
1: they're not even pretending to be that noble. They they'll say they'll tell you directly, like, "Oh yeah, it's for." I forget the name of the show. I've never been to. Yeah. I was. I, I won't go to any show with. I mean, the only show I'll go with to, to see with animals is this one guy at Planet Hollywood where he has this old rescue dogs, rescue cats. And he just puts on the show where he's trained all these animals to do pretty cool tricks. These are all rescue dogs, though. These are basically that's his different. animals.
2: Yeah, totally. yeah so exactly. So, are breeding these lions for shows in Vegas?
1: That's correct. So basically,
2: oh my so god, so basically, it's
0: modern it's modern day slavery, is what it is. But I'm not yeah. sure the place that's is still much. open. You're breeding, you're breeding are, work.
1: That's what you're doing. Yeah, that's, you're right. Workers. that's right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You're breeding. You're breeding lions in captivity for the purpose of entertainment. You know, that's exactly what they're doing. <sighs> I'm not sure if this place is still around, though. I think it may have been shut down because there were a lot of protests and petitions going around and so forth. Good. People put a real spotlight on it. Yeah. Once people know, like Sincere said, once you know, you educate others. Because a lot of times people just don't know. They're like, oh, it's a lying sanctuary. That's what I thought, too. Until exactly. I went there. Actually, the first time I went there, I still thought it was a lying sanctuary. I was like, okay, this is not ideal. I don't like to see lions mm-hmm. in this state, but it's somewhat of a mm-hmm. sanctuary. So I took other people there, and, then, and then, then they had this whole program where, oh, you can pay X amount to... To play with the lion cub.
4: Ah, now, ah, that, ah, very, that
1: was that was very suspect to me. So I go, let me investigate exactly. this a little bit further. And then once I saw what they were doing over there, I go, okay, this is a breeding program. So where where do these lion cubs come from? <laughs> you, know? Right. Just, you know, how do you how do you proliferate that? I mean, how do you keep that program? How do you sustain that program without having more lion cubs? Right. Exactly. Up, what do you do, do with lion? the
2: older lions? <laughs> and what do you do with the younger lions? Yeah, that's once you hear about breeding things like that, that that's right. That tells you exactly where. Once breeding
1: comes into the equation, it's a problem. Exactly. So unless it's unless it's a situation where it's an endangered animal and it's a sanctuary, and those are usually in the countries where the animals are endangered. They're not here. It's not in Minnesota, you know, Mm -hmm. where they're where they're doing this, or in Wyoming. You know, it's in the countries where those animals are going endangered.
2: Yeah, none of the sanctuaries breed. Um, exactly. Paws, That's how you paws, know. Puppies, yeah. They don't breed. <laughs> right. And uh, the elephant sanctuary in Tennessee, they don't breed. A really exactly. good sanctuary do not breed.
1: Right. Like That's save true. the chimps. They're, they're not breeding these chimps. No. They're, they're taking in chimps right. that used to be in labs exactly. or in the circus or some other abusive situation. Exactly. And they're giving them exactly. a sanctuary to live out their lives. You know, Project Chimps is another one. They're not breeding them. Exactly. No, they're not. Like, why, why would you want more of these chimps in captivity? You know, we're, we're trying to help the chimps that were in captivity and give them, and even this situation is not ideal. They're basically in a prison still, but at least they're at least they're, compared to what they used to be in, it's, yeah. it's a resort, and it's the best you can do given the situation. So I mean, I'm, I fully support that, but you don't want to proliferate it. You don't want to have more chimps in that situation.
2: Of course not. Of course not. But yeah, then you have to follow the money. And once you follow the money, then you understand what their real intent is.
1: Right. That's right. What about, uh, you know, you have some of the other projects you're working on is you do a lot of rescue work with yes. getting yes. dogs and cats adopted. How's that going in Los Angeles?
2: Well, that's going really well. We have a hotline where people can call us and ask any question they want about anything having to do with animals, and we help them. And we take a lot of animals right off the hotline because sometimes if we can't solve the problem, we don't want the animal going to the shelter. So we will take an animal off the hotline. Um, We just uh, got a call. Actually, this person had already taken five kittens to the shelter when she called us after the fact we went out and got those kittens out of the shelter uh we got another call from somebody who the person had died it was an older person and of course we hear this all the time they want the money they want the house they want the jewelry they don't want the cat or they don't want the dog
1: yeah Yeah.
2: right people people become
1: real vultures in that situation
2: they really do. I can't they pawn really a do. dog.
3: Yeah.
1: I can't pawn a cat, you know, just
0: in case things yeah. get really bad. I, I can't cash in, you know, a cat stock or something like that. Exactly. So at the end of the day, they're not, even, they're not even thinking about the loved one that passed away when he, no. when he like Mike says, become vultures over these
1: things like jewelry. Oh, and I, I, I've experienced it <laughs> firsthand. When my great-grandmother passed away, I flew out to Montana, and I was helping out my uncle. My parents were in Africa. They couldn't make it. So anyway, I flew out there, did the eulogy, helped out my uncle as much as possible, who was really taking it hard. And at the funeral, you know, her dead body's right there at the funeral. On um, As people are walking out, they're talking to my uncle, and they're like, okay, so you're going to take care of the checks, right? We're going to get that as soon as possible. Oh, Whoa. Jesus, man. Mm. You know? I was like, don't you think this guy, first of all, one, you really think there's an appropriate place to even ask that? Number two, can't you see this guy's got, well, how about helping him out the way I'm helping him out? How about, hey, what can we do to help you out? What can we do to take to, take, to ease the burden here? Because you're That's taking the... on a lot right now. <laughs>
0: That's the ironic wow. thing about death. That's when you get to see who people really are when yeah, someone exactly. no, when, when when someone no longer is. Okay, so
2: yes, and what we amazing. see is a lot of these animals are older animals because they've lived with their person for many years. Right, so they don't, right. they don't stand a chance. Right, they don't stand a chance in in their
3: shelter. Yeah.
2: They will yeah. not be adopted. And we've taken. Um, I recently we took uh, Marvin and Maddie, uh, brother and sister, two year fourteen-year-old cats same situation owner died person took him to the shelter and we got him out um we've taken so many animals like that where people will just dump those animals and turn their back and walk away and they're usually 14 15 13 year old cats and dogs and it's just it's unbelievable that people will do that but we will get we will get them out and if we if we're alerted to it we will take them out so that's um That's what we do. We also do go on, you mentioned Skid Row sincere. We go on Skid Row and we take off cats and dogs. We took a cat out, uh, I think it was about a few months ago. Uh, She had been shot and there were several pellets in her legs. And we took her off, off Skid Row. And she's fine. She was adopted and the pellets were removed. But there's a lot of animals on Skid Row. People end up in Skid Row, and they have their animals with them. And, of course, that is no place for animals. It's no place for people. And the horrible thing is they don't know what to do at that point. And I have to say, LAPD has been great. They go down there, and they alert us, too, when there's an animal that needs to be rescued. Animal services goes in. So there have become, since we've been working in Skid Row now for about 10 years, um, more and more services have come down to Skid Row to help and work with us and say, hey, this person needs help, or this situation needs help, and we get those animals out. Because usually those animals have not had any vet care, they've had no proper home, they have no nutrition, and they're in bad shape. And so they absolutely need vet care and some stable environment because they're usually freaked out of their minds. So that's another another thing we do a lot of. And um, the other thing we do in the shelters is we take out feral cats, a lot of times, feral cats, people will trap feral cats, you know, they're in their backyard or something, and they'll trap them and take them to the shelter, and the shelter immediately kills them because they, they're unadoptable. The thing I've realized is that feral cats, you can't tell what a feral cat is. A cat can be feral today yeah. because they're frightened. They're not feral, they're right. frightened. And within a right. week, two weeks, three weeks, and we've got a lot of them, they're absolutely sweet and adorable, and they're domestics who were frightened. So I started a a program. We started a program in 1999 called the Working Cats Program, in which we go into the shelters and we pull feral cats out and we put them in places as rodent control, much better environmentally friendly than the toxins that those companies, those exterminating companies use. And the cats do a much better job. And so we started at the Flower Mart, and um, now, I mean, we have cats, feral cats all over the city, and people are stopping using exterminating companies and instead calling us for feral cats. And the funny hmm. thing is, a lot of them, like at the Flower market, there's almost 2,000 people who work down there. And a lot of the people come from countries where they don't like cats, dogs they can handle, but they really hate cats. Well, those cats <laughs> really turned a lot of people's consciousness And those people realized, wait a minute, this cat is a friend because those rodents were eating my flowers that I can't sell, so those rodents were costing me money. And the exterminating methods that were being used were not working. So they were coming back again and again, and instead the people were getting sick. So once we brought in the cat, there was no more exterminating methods. These people said, oh, wait a minute, this cat's really cool. This is a really neat cat. And they started having more consciousness, so we were able to go around different places downtown and say hey let us spay and neuter your animal for free let us help your animal so it really changed a lot of consciousness especially towards cats and towards sterilization so that's another another program we've been working on and and now we're going to be rolling it out all over the city of la even more so than we have so that's that's What we've been doing, rescuing in different ways, as many different ways as we can think. We also have a Helping Friends program in which people call us who are either disabled or chronically ill or elderly, and they have animals they can't care for, and they're crying, and they don't want to take their animals to the pound. So we pay their vet bill. We give them money for food. We do whatever it takes to keep the animal in their home. Because especially today, people are losing hope. And we want to give them more hope and let them know that there's somebody who cares about the beings that they love. And we want to keep that love alive in their home. So we have, uh, oh, we have about 200, 250 people a year that we subsidize and help them keep their animals. And there are always different people who call us. So those are just no, yeah, are there, any, ed-
0: yep. I'll to say, are, there any, are there any opportunities where you guys have worked with, like say, returning veterans? Because, you know, there are a lot of vets that come back, and they're dealing with PTSD, TBI. And we talk to Dr. Mark Gordon a lot on our show um, regarding that topic. And a lot of times, even the veterans I have, a lot of them will tell you that what saved their life is actually by you know them having a rescue in their life. And he's like, and they they pretty much tell you that. You know, I don't know who rescued you, who, whether you know my buddy rescued me or I rescued my little four-legged friend. <laughs> Either way, they help each other out. So, you know, are there programs in place where you guys worked with veterans or even those who are dealing with, let's just say, let's just say they're in mental hospitals or they've had mental issues before, but having that pet has really helped them break through. Like some people who may have light bouts of depression. You know, Mike and I just did a show where we were talking about depression. And, you know, and I just found out over the weekend while I was away, you know, a college friend of mine, you know, committed suicide over the weekend. And it just Ooh. gets me thinking about these things. Over, you know, over and over, like, you know, what could have been done or what would have helped, you know, and just even though you, you feel helpless, but you know, I know for me, anytime that I'm feeling a little down, like, you know, nothing really makes me feel better than just, you know, having my dogs here, you know, both who are rescues who went through, you know, abusive situations to get here is and I have to be one, one of those guys that say that I don't know who rescues here because there are times where it's like you know hey man i'm feeling like crap and i'm down and you know and i'm just like you know what i'm t- t- they're looking at me. it's almost like they know it's like hey you know what i i don't know what's going on in your head but i'm feeling it you know what you can do look at us take us for a walk <laughs> you know and, oh, and after that walk i just feel so much better it's like you know you kind of get that connection so and i always sit there and say to myself like, i come back on these type of walks or whatever i'm like you know what I wonder how many people out there, man, who are like struggling mentally and going through something, whatever, like how much better they would feel by being in a place where you're taking care of someone that in your, you know, pretty much on the outside looking in is in a more vulnerable situation than you are and how rewarding that is. So you don't feel so alone and isolated and feel like I'm worthless or whatever else. And, you know, so I'm just asking, like, are, are there programs in place where you guys work with people in those situations?
2: Well, there, there is a great program. Um, Dr. Lauren Lindner, uh, she has two programs, actually, one at the vet hospital at UCLA with birds. And she, has a, she works with a lot of vets who work with at birds that have been abandoned, you know, parrots and mm-hmm. different kinds of birds. And she's got a bird sanctuary. And the whole place is run by vets. And it's absolutely incredible. It's so beautiful. I've gone many, many times. It's right in Westwood. And she does a great job, and she also has a wolf sanctuary in, um, well, it's out in the country, but she has a wolf sanctuary, and that's all run by vets. So she, and she's a psychologist, so she has worked with vets and done incredible, incredible work rehabbing them using animals, using birds and using um, wolves. Mm. Because uh, one of her programs is called (laughs) Wolves and Warriors. So nice. she she does an absolute great job. That that's a real specialty to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> oh, that's one. why I'm just sitting there kinda of thinking about that, like, wow. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: And I think we're I've really heard of I've heard of the Wolf and Warrior one. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of the Wolf and Warrior one. That's that's really interesting.
2: Yeah, she was. Well, really- it had me
1: really thinking about
0: those over the weekend. I actually was watching, like you know, um, you know, I was with my wife. You know, she was getting surgery, so of course, when you sit in a hospital room, you really have nothing to do except watch TV, you know, or or read. And so after a while, I was like, okay, <laughs> we're sitting there, we're watching um. um Oh man we were watching like a marathon of pit bulls and parolees you know like you, i've always wanted to watch the show but i just never knew exactly when the time was or whatever else and then tins like i forget about it but for for some reason it was a marathon saturday and i was just watching all this and just looking at what she's doing with her program well, and working amazing. with them. so i was like oh my gosh she's and i didn't even realize that she also had you know one of her her facilities right close by is in new orleans you know i always thought she was just out in california but i didn't didn't know she was in New Orleans, so it's kind of close. So it's definitely a place I would love to, like, go and just check out the next time I'm in New Orleans. But yeah. just seeing what she's doing, you know, just, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing, especially yes. when it comes to pit bulls, because they're so misunderstood. And the oh. media does not help whatsoever. God, it just no, drives you crazy. the really
2: made a mess of pit bulls, I mean, and they've just lied. And she is a wonderful woman, uh, who uh, the person who runs pit bulls. Yeah, yes. Fantastic. And I'm really glad that she's doing this because it changes the whole perception of pit bulls. And as we say, it's never the dog. It's always the owner.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> and there's, there are several pit bulls in my neighborhood, and they're all the best-behaved dogs in the neighborhood by yeah, far. In my apartment because complex, have, there are plenty of them. Because they have really them. responsible I, people. Yeah, the people who have I, them are really responsible, so they've trained them to just be really – I mean, they just, they just need training like any other dog.
3: Exactly. And uh, exactly. it's
1: what's funny is, I mean, there'll be pit bulls that come to the park, and someone's little dog is being aggressive, and that person will tell the person with the pit bulls, like, "Hey, keep your dog away from my." And the pitbull's just chilling, relaxing, wagging <laughs> ah, exactly. his tail. I was like, please, you need to keep your dog away from the pitbull, man. What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, the Chihuahua <laughs> the dachshunds just in there going off, man. It's just like, whoa, little dude.
3: <laughs>
1: and those dogs are only acting away. I'm not saying I'm not saying those breeds are a problem, either. Again, it goes no, back they, to again, their because own. Because a lot of times, people have little dogs. They think they don't need train They're like, oh, the dog's not going to do anything. Right. We don't need to train this dog. So they just act a fool. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm just, I'm even amazed. Like even here in my complex, you know, we're right here next to a major freeway. We're right here, right next to I-10. And it's like the gate. You can, any small dog can go under the gate. I'm amazed at how many people in our complex let their little dogs just you know go out and use the restroom, or whatever, right there by that fence next to the freeway without a leash. You know the little dogs. But then you know I'm coming with my dogs, and their dogs are just running up, just screaming, and just going off. And you know my English bulldog is kind of looking like, hey, you know who's this little dude? <laughs> you know like, and, but the, you know but they're all looking at him when I'm walking him. They're all afraid. I'm like, it's an English bulldog. What? You? But they they know the word bulldog, and they think all bulldogs are these vicious creatures. I'm like. Hey, have you seen this dude's teeth? I'm like, come on. It's like, it's like he's he's just a big baby, which most all bulldogs, that's all they are. Rottweilers all their big babies. That's all they are. But you know, again, the media has portrayed them to be these vicious creatures. And these people are like going around with their dogs off the leash and it's like these little dogs. And they're just barking and snapping and everything else. But I could I could be the butthole and be like, you need to get your dog on a leash and grab my big dog. and just like, oh, get your dog away from me or whatever, just to show them how stupid they are and the way they're acting. But my biggest concern is the fact, like, how can you have this dog off the leash right here by this freeway? You're so irresponsible. All I can take is one thing to freak your dog out and he'll just take off. You may think that, oh, he won't leave me. You know, he has a good thing. He would never leave my side. Well, and I've heard, I've heard him say stupid stuff like this. I'm like, do you understand what happens when a dog gets freaked out? You know, if it's just a thunderstorm, especially by the freeway, or a car wreck, you know, or 18-wheeler blows his horn, you know, all of a sudden. And I've seen it happen, and they, they freak out because it's not normal for them. And it can scare exactly. them. And he'll run out into the street, and he gets hit. And now what? Oh, Fluffy, I can't believe this happened. Yes, you should be able to believe it because you're an idiot. Exactly. <laughs> like, why? Exactly.
2: And their hearing is, what, 100 times higher and more Oh, my sensitive.
1: gosh. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly.
2: That, that sound hurts them, hurts their ears.
1: Right. Right. Tire blowing or something like that. That'll, a tire popping. That sounds like a bomb going off yeah. to a dog. Or just having a, or having an owner who's like a, a college student that drinks a lot with a girlfriends
0: or, you know, his home, his homeboys or whatever. And they're all like screaming and yelling while the dog's in there. It's like, you do realize uh. you're, you're pretty much torturing your pet right now with your good time that you're having. It's like, if you're going to have a house party or something like that, you know, you need to take your pet somewhere else where they're going to be, they're going to be at peace instead of just yes. putting them in a kennel and tucking them in the back room somewhere. That doesn't help, man. Don't do no. that. No. And I've seen this stuff happen. It drives me crazy.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I agree. They they don't consider the animal's feelings or the animal's needs. Well, they're just a
0: thing. They're this property. They're just thing that they own. You know, they're not exactly a part of the family or, you know, yes. someone that is like, hey, you know, he's, he, he's a member of the family or something like that. It's just like, that's this thing that I have because, you know, it's cool to have a dog. You know, I can't see myself without having a dog. It's like having a Porsche, you know, or having a Rolex or something like this. It's a luxury item to them. It's not a living being. It's not something that you take care of.
3: That's exactly right.
0: It's just an animal. No, it's not like it's a human. It's not like it's it's my kid.
2: That's right. And that's one of the problems with the laws because animals are considered property under the law. And that's just insane. And that's something that you. I know that there are certain animal rights lawyers around the country who are trying to change because a dog is not or a cat is not a chair, not a lamp.
3: Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just property yeah, which legally, drives There's no
2: differentiation.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And here in Texas, um, you know, I'm, I teach concealed carry here. And, you know, I always have people ask, like, well, what if someone comes up and they attack my dog? You know, or, you know, can I, you know, and let's say they're bigger than I am or whatever. It's just like, can I, you know, pull out my gun? They, I'm like, no, you can't. But they're beating my dog, and it's like, if it's three or four dudes beating my dog, I can't do anything. I said, no. I said, you can't do anything until they touch you. I said, it's so stupid, but that's a state law. And, you know, if, you know. Trust me, in the back of my mind, I'm shaking my head like, I don't know, man. I just, you know, I was like, look, I'm just, I, I'm just here to teach the law. You know, what you do with it is on you. But my thing is, have a great, have a great lawyer. You know, but, I, but I get it. Trust me, God. the fact that I have to repeat that and I have to have to explain to someone pisses me off. Now, I even have to do this. Like, the fact that this is a law is so dumb. I'm like, are you telling me that none of these lawmakers have pets of their own and they're not in that situation? I'm like, you need to ask yourself, what would you do? You know, would you have to stand by and watch someone abuse your animal? You know, if they're so afraid, like, oh, here's a dude walking his pit bull, and all of a sudden this person brings out, you know, a mace or a baton or something like that, and they like, swinging at your dog or whatever else. Of course, that's going to piss the dog off. So, of course, it's going to attack because trying to protect themselves. And now they have an excuse. To hit your dog. But you can't do anything. You have to stand there idly by and do nothing except scream, stop, don't hit my dog, he's not dangerous, blah, 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 you know, until they actually come at you. <laughs> so well, it's, it's so amazing that, that these laws are even in place. But, you know, if your neighbor, you know, if someone's breaking to your neighbor's house and stealing, you know, their property and you see it, you know, and you and your neighbor have an agreement where you can stop them. You could probably, you know, use lethal force in certain situations against these these robbers, <laughs> you know, but not with the dog. If they were stealing the dog, what? Just call nine one one. Isn't
2: that crazy? What? I mean, that's that's <laughs> really a big hole in our law, and that oh, really yeah. needs to yeah. change. It really needs. Well, to I'll, I'll
1: tell you, I'll tell you what. Someone tries to hurt my dog. I don't care about the law at that moment. They're going down. <laughs> I agree with <laughs> you, They're going down that. real
0: bad. All I'm
3: saying
0: is, <laughs> yeah. i I always say this. All I'm saying in that situation is. I'm not saying anything in this situation <laughs> you know <so> thinking, <laughs> so therefore you can, you can so therefore you can never come back well I remember hearing on this podcast he said he'd do this no I thing. all I did was just yeah. what I just did, to, I, don't, I, did I don't teach I'm, any of that
1: stuff so I'm just gonna say hey I'm, I, I, just, I'm, just, I'm, just, a, I'm just a regular Jim guy I don't know I didn't know the law
3: <laughs>
0: all I did was just explain the law in Texas that's all I did <laughs> you know just like the law is when the light's red you stop doesn't mean that everybody stops right. Doesn't mean yeah. that I've always stopped, but I'm just saying the law is you stop at a red light. That's all I have to say on that.
2: <laughs> so. yeah, exactly. I mean, when oh, yeah. I'm walking, I'm I mean, I mean, we, live, we
1: live in a nice neighborhood over here, but whenever I'm walking my dogs and I see anyone, I, I just, you know, give a look of don't mess with my dogs. You know, it's not, right. I'm not being confrontational. I'm not saying, Hey, don't look, I'm not giving someone a dirty look and all that. I'm just walking in the way of. <laughs> You're someone, but sometimes you run across people who obviously don't like dogs. You know, they they start walking towards the oh, far of the other side of the sidewalk as yeah. they can, which just makes your dogs think they're. I mean, my dogs now think that person's a threat just based on their movement patterns. Right, and they're on leash. You know, I don't have them off leash running around accosting people. Even if they were off leash, they're not going to bother people. But these people don't necessarily know that. So if someone doesn't like a dog, they may act in a way that, unfortunately, provokes them. That's right. But I always, I always have a, just a demeanor of, look, my dogs are under my control. They're not going to mess with you, but don't mess with them. Right. not gonna
0: go. A lot of times I do that look. I usually do that look. You know, not for my dogs, but for me. Like, don't stop and talk. To me. It's just like I'm trying to walk my. Well, I do
1: that but for me as well. <laughs> there's
0: always, I always have this neighbor. They want, especially when I'm walking my English bulldog. Everyone <laughs> wants to stop and wants to pet him or whatever. I was like, oh my god, can I pet him? But they're already in, they're already in action. They're already in the process yeah, of squatting yeah, yeah, down exactly. to pet him. Like, and I, sometimes I am like, I said, no, 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 he's not friendly. Because, A, you were not <laughs> being nice enough to wait for me to give you permission to touch him. You were already yeah, in the process. Should. It's kind of like kind right. of like, when you're right. eating lunch you're back in elementary school, they put their finger in your food, like, hey, you want this? And they've already put their hands in it. That's just, like, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> so then, I, you know, I'm just like, no, nah, I said, and he's not very friendly.
4: Oh, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, keep
1: it moving, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <It is. laughs> Just you're next again, time when right? I say next time when I say hello, both of you say hello back. All right? <laughs> <laughs> be more concerned. Be, be more concerned about saying hello when I say hello instead of trying to pet my dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have no home training. What's wrong with you, man? <laughs> all right, well, No, you know, like sincere said, we've we've after Chris Cornell. I don't know if you're familiar with Chris Cornell, the singer, and then Chester from Lincoln Park. You know, they both committed suicide recently this year, and they were both suffering with depression for a long time so depression is a topic that you know we don't talk about it every episode but we like it's a reoccurring theme because we think it's an important one to really get out there because a lot of people deal with depression and just never vocalize it they just feel that they have to put on a front of well everyone else seems like they're okay so let me just pretend to be okay as well meanwhile they have all this turmoil inside them that's just going to reach a boiling point so i know you've dealt with some abuse and depression, but have mm-hmm. found a way to channel it clearly into all the things we just talked about. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious, how did this whole thing start for you? How did you become so passionate about helping animals?
2: Well, I um, I grew up in a very violent family. Uh, I was uh, the victim of both uh, sexual and physical abuse, severe, very severe. And um, from a young age, and many um, people who have such experiences, Uh, you split your mind off because as a child you have to survive in a family. There's no place to go. So your mind splits off and part of your mind goes into a place, a dark place, because you don't want to remember it. You can't remember it because if you do, then you're on the street. So the first thing I realized is about or six years old is that I had to feel strong because I felt so helpless and weak uh, because of what was being done to me obviously uh, w- without my permission and and uh, so in such a uh, egregious and violent manner so I began working out I began dancing and I actually began training and I became a ballet dancer at six, 16 years old and that was my first way of establishing my own, power, uh, because if I felt strong, at least I had that. No matter what was being done to me, if I couldn't stop it, which I couldn't, at least I felt physically strong. Right. And at a certain point, of course, as a ballet dancer, you're timed out. Uh, and as that began to happen in my late teens, early 20s, I thought, you know, this is really I mean I performed I did the whole nine yards and I said you know this is this is not where I am this is not what I want to do the rest of my life it's a, a lovely thing to do but it's not a career for me it's not something I really I'm I'm passionate about dancing but it doesn't it doesn't go farther than that and I always right. loved animals and I always every time I saw an animal in distress it just broke me up and so at that point I had moved to Venice and um, there were a lot of dogs and cats on the street, and I just started rescuing And My cousin and I had a, a studio apartment, and within a year we ended up with six dogs and 14 cats <laughs> and in a studio apartment, if you can imagine. Yeah. And uh, we were sleeping on the floor, and they had the rent of the house. It wasn't very big, but everybody got along. Everybody was fine. And then I realized every time I rescued an animal, I felt so. So much better inside of me because as opposed to being depressed, which I went through a long time, many levels yeah. of depression um, right. in in variety of ways, um, I realized that my depression left when I reached out to a being that needed me. Me. I was the only one at that moment in time that could help that animal. There was nobody else around. And I thought, wait a minute. You know what? This is great. If I can help this animal, this is, I feel so good about me. So I began rescuing and rescuing and rescuing. And then I started Voice for the Animals. And at that point, I realized, wow, people who hurt animals usually hurt people too. And then I remembered the connection. My father was a furrier. And... I realized that was part of the connection. He did horrible things to fur-bearing animals. Mm. And that woke me up. And I said, okay, I'm not only going to rescue now, but I'm going to start an organization that will take on bullies in a variety of forms. And we can deal with those people who are harming animals. We can rescue the individual animals. Every individual is important and deserves a Beautiful life. And we can deal with the people who harmed them, like I was harmed. And that really got me out of my depression. It was just amazing. The more I did that, the more I began to understand the connection, the more I felt better. The more people right. I helped, the more animals I helped, the more I felt better. And it was like, and since you said, who's saving who? I felt like they were saving me, and I do to this day. All those animals saved me. I may have helped them, but they saved me. I could have gone down a very bad path in a variety of ways, and I didn't. And it was because of what they gave to me and the doors they opened to me and the opportunities they allowed me. So that's, that's what happened, and I was very happy that this past year... Actually, 2015, the end of 2015, the FBI really understood that that cycle of violence is real. And cops are understanding it. That's why I'm so passionate about training cops. That is the way to stop the violence. There's so much violence in this world. No wonder people are depressed and feel helpless and hopeless. There's so much violence. And I thought, well, maybe I can help a little bit, just a little bit in that direction. And that made me feel good. Because every time we help another living being, and again, other people may find trees or children to help or domestic violence victims or older people. There's no lack of causes and people who need help and animals who need help and the environment who needs help. If everybody would just reach out a little bit, it would just change everything. Yeah. And instead of drawing into a shell, which is what all of us are prone to in situations like that, I deeply understand that. Yeah. Do the opposite. Mm-hmm. Do the opposite. Just force yourself to do the opposite. Even if it's an hour a week, go to a shelter, go to a domestic violence home, go anywhere. Just meet someone, meet an animal, meet a tree, anybody, and help. And your whole life will be changed. And I have to say that that's what changed me.
1: Is, de- is depression something you still deal with on a daily basis? Is something that is just follows you throughout
2: your life? No, it stopped. It actually stopped. Um, uh, there were years, long time ago, when I was taking medication for it, and I, you know, I had tried suicide, you know, the whole thing, every...
3: Oh, yeah.
2: Uh, but he under- yeah. You know, you come from the kind of family I came from. It was understandable. Um But no, it stopped. It actually stopped. Uh, I do work out every day. I still do that, and I consider that a major important... I eat well. Uh, Of course, as you know, uh, I'm a vegan. I won't eat animals, and I won't wear animals. And I do everything from a deep core belief that life is important. And that has really helped me change my depression tremendously.
1: Yeah, I think that strong sense of purpose is... One of the takeaways that people should really get from everything you just said, when you have a yes. strong sense of purpose, you really keep that depression at bay. You know, I, I deal yes. with—I don't, I don't deal with suicidal depression. I don't deal with with numbing depression where I'm lying in bed all day. I just have this mild depression anxiety state that can occur if I'm not on top of it. If I'm if right. I'm on top of it with my training, with I mean, my nutrition always good, vegan diets as well. But the training really helps. But also, I I have to feel like I have some kind of purpose.
3: Exactly.
1: And the business is a purpose. That's all good. Helping people with their health and fitness, that's all a purpose. But the the purpose that really makes me feel better is when I'm doing what you're talking about. I'm helping animals in need. I'm helping children in need. Our friend Ty Ritter of Project Child Save, he and his team of operators, Rescue Kids, From human trafficking, you know, kids that are experiencing the very things that you experienced growing up, just as bad, if not worse, in a lot of situations. So when you help an organization like that, you can't help but feel better.
2: Absolutely, because you look at the faces of the lives that you saved, Yeah. and you realize that if it wasn't for you, where would they be? And I I got a
1: text from Ty. Yeah, I got a call from Ty. I remember I was bummed out about something, probably not even anything that serious, because I don't really remember what it was. But uh, I got a text from Ty saying, hey, we just got back from a mission. We rescued 10 kids. Wouldn't wow. have been able to do it without your support, you and sincere support, and everything you did on the show. And I was like, wow, that's... He's like, anyone ever ask, you know, what are you doing to make the world a better place? You just tell them, you just play this message for them. You just tell them this. Right. And that kind of thing wow. makes a huge difference.
2: Yeah, it does. It really yeah. does. And, if and
1: even... Everybody, everybody I even have
2: to say, even from over. my
0: personal experience, you got to manage that as well, because you know. On the flip side of that, you can be so you can be such an empath and really take on a lot of energy, you know, because right. constantly right. like like Mel you were saying. There's so much violence in this world, and so many things. There's so it's so easy to feel helpless. But even when you're helping, to the point where you just feel like you feel drained sometimes, just like you know. Yeah. I call it sometimes you just tire out from that superhero syndrome, where you're constantly yeah. just trying to do your best to fight all the. Violence, and to the part where. You take on different things whereas you can feel hopeless and do nothing anymore or, you know, you can keep devoting all your energy to the point where you've worn yourself out and you have nothing really left, you know, for yourself because you've given so much everywhere else. You gotta find that balance or you can find that thing where you end up becoming the villain yourself. And, and nice. not saying that you become the person that goes out and abuses the, the helpless, but you want to go out and do bad things to the bad guys. You know, personally, you start kind of getting this vigilante mindset, you right. know, so it that happens all three ways. So you've got to find a way to balance those things out, too, when you're also the good guy that wants to go out there and see good in the world. Because you got to understand that the, the bad the crap is going to be there. You know, so right. the thing is to try your best not to add on to the crap and That's also right. understand that. You know, you can only do the things that you have control of. I can't necessarily stop this jackass in a factory farm personally from being an abusive jackass. You know, without, I can't go and travel every factory farm and just want to just sit outside the gate and wait for this dude to get off work and then start putting bull hooks in his head and prod him a little bit to show him how it feels. And so you sit there and go back and think like, okay, now you want to do that tomorrow? Yeah, it didn't feel great, did it? You know, but trust me, there's times when you feel that way, when you're that passionate what? about it. It's like, God, it's like, these guys could just feel it for themselves. You know, would right. you, def- would you want to go back and do that again? But that doesn't make you any better than that person. So what do you no, do? Okay. I'm, first of all, I'm going to get out there and educate. When someone asks me about, Oh, why are you eating a plant-based diet? Okay. Right. I'll explain that. I'll tell them why. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, for my health and I'm losing weight, blah, blah. blah. I'm like, look, man, it's not sustainable. And here's why. And don't think that it doesn't affect you. Let me show you how it affects you. You know, and at the end of the day, you know, this is what's happening. And it's not going to we can't continue to do this. And no matter what they try to say, no matter what politicians try to say, like, oh, this climate change stuff is not real, blah, blah, blah. I said, would you go and ask a mechanic how to perform, you know, how to get rid of cancer? Oh, no. right. and why, why Why are you depending on a politician who, who is like pretty much he's if he's anything, he's probably a lawyer by profession. Why are you asking a lawyer about science? OK, exactly. he's in the science of lying and trying to convince you to believe whatever comes out of his mouth. That's the only science he's into. He's into some twisted psychology at best if anything comes to science. But as far as talking about the environment. I'm not going to this dude. First of all, why are you even worrying about them trying to fix the economy when they've never—they're not even economists. They don't even have like a finance degree. So you're depending on these people to do things they're not qualified to do and speak about. You need to talk to experts for that. So I'm not going to sit there and let this dude tell me that. Oh, you know what? You know, you know, coal is where it's at. We're going to have you know re- <laughs> sustainable coal for this blah blah. <laughs> oh, you know the fact. You know, it's like you know we got to like. To cut down the forest so we can feed the animals and blah, blah, blah because we gotta feed the world and blah, 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 blah. Like, come on, dude. And the climate change is not right. I'm not listening to you because you're stupid. You're, okay. you're actually ignorant because you don't know what you're talking about. And that is the definition of ignorance. You are speaking about something you have no idea what you're talking about and you want, your ego won't let you console or your pocketbook won't let you console with an expert and listen to that expert who's been well versed in this, who's probably have so much college debt because of this profession they're doing. I'm listening to this dude over here who's going, who's gone broke to learn this science. Okay. Right. This dude is pretty much every he sacrificed everything to be an expert in this field. Okay? And so that's the person I'm listening to. So yeah, man, at the end of day that's what you gotta do. But as far as yourself, you
1: gotta balance things out because it can drive you crazy.
2: It, yeah, it really can. Well
1: that was that was my next question with you, Melly, is that you know you yeah. deal with you deal with so much animal suffering on a day to day basis. How do and you how do cope you? with that?
2: Well I right. meditate I absolutely meditate, and um, that helps me a lot. And I, it was something that um, Dan Knapp, who was a reverend, and he actually was the head of animal services for several years and passed on, and he told me something very wise years ago. He said, focus only on the good that you do. If you see suffering, turn away from it and go into the direction of what you can do that's good. And I thought, wow, that's it. That's it. I can't take the rest in because there's nothing I can right, do right. about it.
3: Right, but that yeah. which
2: I can help, I will help. And I thought that really helped me when he told me that. Because one can get compassion fatigue. I think that's what you were talking yes. about. Too, oh yeah.
1: Right? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I get that. I get that every time I look at my credit Trust card. Trust me. Statement. <laughs> <Because> yeah. <laughs> I, was at, I was looking at my credit card, statement. Most people look at their credit card statement and they're like, "Look at all this shit I bought. I didn't it. I didn't even realize I bought all this crap." I look at my credit card statement and I go look at all these organizations i donated to. <laughs> yeah. right. I got to right. pick and it. Cheesy, I got to pick it. I mean, not you know, that I feel bad about that. It's, it's good, but just sometimes you got to prioritize though, because you can't help exactly. every and single and organization that comes your time. way. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well,
0: it really sucks. A lot of times when you see that, you look at that bill, it's like, God, and there's so many other ones I want to give to, or when you got to make a decision, yeah, yeah, exactly. like okay, like right, right now it's like, okay, Ty, you're ready to go on a mission and they're going to need to raise twenty twenty thousand $20,000 within three weeks okay, look, I want to give a little bit more to Project Child Save, so that means I'm going to have to cut a donation for the next few months for this organization. So then you kind of, it's almost like trying to decide, it's like you, you, you kind of have King Solomon syndrome. It's just like you got two mothers wanting a baby. And it's just like, okay, i got to make a decision. Okay, y'all both want the baby? We're going to cut the baby in half. Wait a minute. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, and that's how I feel yeah. sometimes. You have to sit there and make think about that sacrifice. It's a triage, so, it's a
1: triage type situation. I remember it, there was an episode exactly. of Mass. I was one of my favorite episodes of MASH used to love watching that with my mother all the time is there's an episode where you know the main character Hawkeye is working on this guy. And he's like, OK, I think I can save his leg. It's just going to take a while. You guys are going to have to handle all these other patients. And then one of the other doctors who is handling another patient flips out and he just leaves the room. So now all of a sudden he has to make this decision. He's like, OK, do I save this guy's leg or do I save that guy's life that he just abandoned over there? So he basically had that amputate one guy that he could have saved if the other doctor stayed in the room and saved the other guy's life. Right. But he had to go take over that doctor who left. Meanwhile, his other kid's leg was amputated. Wow. It's, I mean, that's obviously a severe situation of, of right. what we're talking about, but, but it's it's similar in the sense that you want to help every single cause that comes your way. Yeah. I and mean, I get inundated with, with very meaningful causes all over the world on a daily basis. Yeah. And a lot of times I don't make decisions, for, I don't donate right away because I'm just going to go right through all of them. You know, and <laughs> I go, let me let me put this in a folder right now and I'll come back and look yeah. at it one at a time a little bit later. And then let me take a look at where the finances are this month and so forth, You know how what, what kind of month I'm having, et cetera. Let me prioritize the ones that are just super urgent, like what Sincere said. It's like, okay, Ty needs to raise this much money for a mission tomorrow. And if we don't mm-hmm. get it, he can't go and he can't save those 20 kids. Or you right. email me, Melia, and say, this cat needs surgery today. Otherwise, it's not going to make yeah. it. You know, those right. are the kind of things. You have to look at what's urgent right now. Exactly. Right.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And that's the way to determine where you can help. Yeah. And I, think, I think
1: what really helps me is when I know exactly what the money is going for. Exactly. Right? Like, we just got this I'll dog. This dog out. had acid poured on his back, and we need to get him into surgery. It's going to cost this much, and we need to raise it now. Now, that yes. that's extremely specific. So I know exactly what right. the money is going towards and when it's needed.
3: Exactly. Sometimes
1: like just just general donations, like oh, we just make a donation to us to help us with all the work we're doing. It's like okay, well, what are you doing? <laughs> what, yeah. what work are you doing? What what exactly are <laughs> like, you doing? So I think I've been that's where a, a new lot of people that you've always want yeah, yeah, exactly. You're <laughs> working on that five hundred thousand dollar a year income. What are you working on your Hawaii vacation? <laughs> because I think a lot of people get a lot of people get just reluctant to donate to organizations because they look at what the top people are making or they look at the bureaucracy and how little of the money actually goes to the cause. Yep. And I think yep. so, so, so people and then people make a blanket statement thinking that all organizations fall into that. I was talking to one of my neighbors about that. He's like, oh, you can't trust any of these organizations. So I was like, that's true in a lot of cases, but not all cases. You find yeah. the ones. Develop relationships like I know you personally, Amelia, right? So I trust yes. you. I, I, don't, I don't hesitate to give you money because I tr- I like you, I trust you, and I know what you do. Same yes. thing with Nevada SPCA out here. I, I've been there many times. I've rescued dogs from that place. I've met the staff. We've had people who worked there on the show before. This guy, Ty Ritter, same thing. So I, I like to develop relationships with the organizations that I'm going to give the most support to. That's
2: a very important. Because then you familiarize yourself both with what they're doing, how they do it, and seeing if you like that.
1: Right. But, you know, at the same time, I don't want you to live in a tent, Melia, you know? <laughs> you deserve this. Los, Los Angeles is an expensive place to live, so you deserve to pay yourself a reasonable salary. I don't want you living in your car so you can save you know, two more dogs. Sometimes people get do the animals any a little favor. bit to, no to Yeah. Yeah. Some people are like, well, they, they, those people shouldn't be paying themselves at all. It's like, well, how are they supposed to run the organization on zero? They're, they're supposed to work a full-time job at, on the side? I mean, exactly. some people just get really unreasonable, too. It's like, come on.
2: Yeah.
3: You
1: know, they're devoting their life to this.
2: Yeah. So let's, let's, let's say, let them live know, a comfortable you life. The organization on volunteers. You can't run the organization on volunteers because volunteers have jobs. Right. You need people right. to be absolutely committed to be there at certain times every single day and do certain things. That's not a volunteer. Right. Right. Absolutely.
1: And you're not going to get people with clearly defined skill sets if it's just volunteers either. Absolutely. Because, right. you know, because people need to <laughs> you do make a little money off of this this them.
3: that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're not going
2: to be able to. You're not going to be able to achieve the goals that you want in your organization with that kind of staff. It's impossible. We tried in the beginning, and you know, this one had a dentist appointment. This one had this. I was crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you can't. You know, you can't do it.
3: You, and then
0: who are you to tell them, like, well, you can't go to that dentist appointment because we need you here.
1: Are you paying for this dentist <laughs> appointment? And
0: you're like, right, well, exactly. no, I'll, I'll be back when my appointment is over, okay? <laughs>
2: exactly. exactly. I remember
1: my mom My mom volunteered at the library one time to just uh, do something with her time. This years ago and I was a kid. She just, she just went in there to help out, and then she stopped going because of that exact situation. This year. someone, Her supervisor was like, hey, look, you, know, you need to be here on time next time. She's like, no, 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 you're not paying me anything. And I'll right. be here when I'm here. <laughs> you <know?
2: 'Cause laughs>
1: It's like, who are you to tell me that I need to be here at a certain time? You're not paying me a dime. She just found that really repugnant. So she's, that was it. Yeah. That was the end of that.
2: Of course, and rightly so. So, I, I mean, in terms of depression, I would just say to people, know what's true for you. Know what's important to you. Really dig yeah. down inside.
1: in yeah. life.
2: And when That's you very ask good advice. Yeah, you're going to find out your direction. And it will lead you right out of the depression.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're living a life you don't want to live and it's totally yeah. inauthentic, that's depressing. You know, how are you going to be happy in that situation? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's I mean, depressing. I mean, I mean, you're you just you're, you're,
3: yeah. yeah. Trust me, so on a daily,
0: you're committing are. suicide on a daily basis when you when you're living yeah. a life where you're dying in a life that you didn't ask for. You know, right. but you but you've accepted and chose it anyway. You know, just so I was tell people like Find out, who look, man. Once you know who you are, who you truly are, you know, you can do a lot more. You won't be feeling as helpless. Because at the end of the day, when you really know who you are, even when people come at you like, "Well, oh, how can you so and so?" You know, because I can, <laughs> you know, or why do you do this? Because I know who I am. It's like, you, who are you to question me? <laughs> and that's the thing. I think that's what drives a lot of people crazy: is the fact that they don't have an answer when people come at them crazy like that. When they yeah. ask them like, "Well, how could you blah blah blah?" and then they kind of go into this guilt mode. When you know who you are, you're like, you know what? i off. Well, that's, yeah. well, I just asked you a simple question. Well, you don't have the right to ask that question, so I gave you a simple answer. F off. Ask, ask simple questions, you get simple answers. <laughs> just as <laughs> <just that> simple, <laughs> you know? So and I think that really helps out. Know who you are, man, and just don't try to comp- Don't be anybody else. Don't let
2: anybody else tell you what you should be.
0: Exactly. Don't well, be how you should feel. What you should care about.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Like you yeah decide what it's like, If you care about seven
3: animals do. save them just like you
1: know <laughs> Yes yeah because really? peer peer pressure peer pressure never ends it's not something that's exactly. just no. allocated towards teenagers it's not a lot high school. of adults yeah. are in peer yeah. pressure situations people in the corporate world are in peer pressure situations people work at the police department peer pressure situations that's anytime right. there's a social gathering there's going to be a peer pressure situation <laughs> you know
0: Right and, you know, and honestly it's, to my peer pressure Peer pressure as a teenager is actually easier than as an adult because the only thing that you have to risk with peer pressure when you're a teen is pretty much, oh, they won't like me. And that's it. But as you become an adult, they threaten you with real things like your income, your job, your family. Right, yeah. You know, they, they threaten yeah. to take, they, they threaten to take real things away from you as an adult. So you know what? Oh, I'll yeah. take the peer pressure as a teenager any day than I would try to take peer pressure as an adult. <laughs> you know, cause it's like, cause now try to, Come at me with peer pressure and an adult. Well, I'm not worried about anything because you're going to get your feelings hurt. Come and tell you, you know what? Go f yourself. <laughs> you know, like, dude, don't even come at me like that. Like, seriously, like, are you trying to use guilt against me? That's cute. I don't do. I don't deal with guilt. <laughs> so, and once you, and when you do that, people look. They look confused because it's amazing when you tell someone like, I could care less about guilt. You know, it's, that emotion sucks. It means nothing to me. Because so many people live with that so much, and I think that's why a lot of times when you have situations where we talk about Project Child Save and we talk about Voice for the Animals, so many people feel so guilty if they can't do something right then and there, or in their mind, think they can't do anything. They're like, "Well, man, you know, I just lost my job. I don't have any money." Okay, but you know what you do have? You're you're actually listening to the show on your computer. So you know what you have? You have the ability to click on a share button and share a tweet that Mike and I post about the organization. Guess what? That right there, probably that's invaluable. In fact, You're I think back. that probably goes a lot further than any $5, $10, $1,000 donation. But trust me, if you can donate $1,000 to Voice for Animals, that, I'm sure Mel, you will appreciate that. But still oh, hit boy. that click button and share that link, you know.
4: <laughs>
1: no, I mean, there's, 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 also, there's also ego gratification that goes with stuff such as, oh, I don't want to just donate $5. I don't want to just donate $3. I don't want to just donate $10. Wanna, Why not? I want to Do, donate just, 100 you can donate. Have my you can, name next yeah, year. You can, exactly they want they want to they want to accumulate a large amount and then get some recognition for it just uh, if everyone That's listening to this show donated $1 to right. voice for the animals or project child safe it would make a huge difference hell if 10% of the people That's listening vote, donated $5 it would make a difference and, and i don't believe for a second that there's a person in america who can't donate a dollar i can go find 10 homeless people right now on the street and tell them about project child safe and they'd probably give me a buck each <laughs> if I explain it properly. So, I mean, it's like what I always say when I put something up on, on sometimes I, uh, I'll pick a certain cause, I'll put it up on Facebook or Twitter on my like, look. Make a donation. Everyone's got five bucks. And if you don't have five bucks, you shouldn't be wasting time on here. Go make some money. <laughs> you
0: know? like, why are you on Twitter? <laughs> like, come on. You can- <laughs> yeah, why are you on Facebook Tell me
1: you don't, you don't have, have five, five bucks. bucks? You're a grown man. You're going to tell me you don't have five dollars? That's embarrassing. <laughs> Get off Twitter and <laughs> go make some money, man. Yeah. Go most of the You can make more than five bucks. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, don't you make go, that right I, don't now. Like, I don't even have five dollars. Like, dude, do not tell the internet that you don't have five dollars because once you put it out there, you can never delete that. The whole world
1: knows how. Yeah, they're, they're on there. and you can, <laughs> their, you can see it sent from their, see it sent from their iPhone. <laughs> you know, they're not at the library. They're not at the library using public internet connections. No, they're on their
4: computer, on a which they
3: you know, a hundred dollars
1: thing is going to be obsolete in two
0: months. Okay, You can actually sell that janky iPhone and you have the money that you want to donate and
1: get a better phone. It's like, there you go. So
0: change plans.
1: But there's, there's a window again, of opportunity. it comes down to being with, lazy. Just lazy yeah, exactly. Exactly. So much – I mean, there's, that's an underlying theme of the whole conversation basically. Is the, reason why, the reason why both people and a couple don't say hello is because one's lazy. You know, it's like, I like, like I oh, it's like Bob. Bob said hello to Mike. I don't have to say hello. Or hey, Susan said yeah, hello don't. already to Mike. She speaks for both of us. You know, it's just like you know what? I don't yeah. feel like saying hello. A two-syllable, five-letter word. You don't have. You don't feel like saying that. Like wow. <laughs> it's like yeah. Not it's like, well, you're, you know what? You're you're you're, an, you're you're an adult, right? You're not a two-year-old kid. You're an adult. So if someone says hello, you say hello back. It's just you know, it's common courtesy, man. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start scrolling people from now on. They, next time it happens, I'm gonna be like hey. <laughs> Why didn't you say hello when I just said hello there? You know, I'm curious. <laughs> See what the response sure, it, well, reminds well, of, uh, <laughs>
0: it reminds me of this comedian T.K. Kirkland. Like, he has all like all his skits, and he was like, who raised
2: you? He brings up all different yeah. things,
0: like, who raised you? Yeah, he's
2: <laughs> really that funny. Think about that. <laughs> that is funny. Oh, my goodness.
1: Wow. Well, hey, Melia, we don't want to keep you all day. We know you have important work to do, but is there uh, is there anything... Is there any, anything specific you wanted to bring up, such as your medical care for a certain animal you rescued, anything that people can be aware of and go make a donation?
2: Well, right now, what we're seeing, Mike, is we're seeing a lot of people turning in older animals. Mm. And we'd like to, I mean, it's just horrible. It's just breaking my heart. And we'd like to take some more older animals out. Um yeah. not a specific animal, but God knows. I mean, if we have the donations, we can go in and get them. I... I think it's because people are scared right now economically. They don't know what's going to go on here in this country. And I think they're just frightened of a lot of things. And we're just seeing a real upturn in older animals being taken into the shelter, cats and dogs.
1: Yeah, a lot, a lot so, of people, unfortunately, a dog gets older, they have more medical expenses. They just don't want to deal with it, yeah. which is That's really right. uh, sad to me because I've rescued many seniors, right, of the last two dogs I had. Yeah. I rescued a I rescued Petey. a 15 year old cocker spaniel, Petey. I rescued an yeah. 11 year old lab, Rabia. And these I don't know yeah. what Petey's situation was because he was just found on the street. So I don't know if he was in a home his whole life or what was going on. I, I assume he was in a home at some point in his life. But anyway, it's it, it, it was just really disheartening for me to see a 15 year old dog end up in the shelter. So I was like, let me get this That's guy right. out of there because That's it's not right. a lot of work. The seniors he didn't have a high he didn't have high medical expenses and even if he did that wouldn't have been a problem i would have taken that on but he was he was a chill dog you know you took him for short walks he just he just wanted simple things he wanted a good meal he wanted to feel safe yeah. he wanted to, he wanted community he wanted to be with you and other dogs yeah. real
2: simple stability things. yeah, yeah. Stability and my, and my lab part.
1: was the same way but yeah. my my lab you let know, rabia you know she lived to be 16 as well you know i got her at 11. That's she awesome. had a, she had a good five years with us over here well, but that bad. that was a situation where she was in a home. I'm assuming it was maybe one home her entire life. And they gave her up because, like, oh, she's too big for the house we're in now.
2: Oh, my God. You know, people are so stupid. Pe- yeah, they are. People give up animals because they didn't match the new couch. <laughs> or, <laughs> like,
0: just, you know, I mean, same thing. Well, just like with our English Bulldog, you know, and, you know, it's been a year now that we rescued him because he was a victim of divorce. And, Basically, I th- and he was bred, you know, he's a pure breed English bulldog. They spent like four grand to have him bred. You know, and it's crazy because we got all his papers, of course, you know, to see, you know, make sure he didn't have any conditions or anything like that. But when we saw like, they included, they made sure to include the, the receipt when they, you know, they bought him. I'm like, okay, we didn't ask you for this. But I'm just like, okay, you know, so, but at the end of the day, it's just like, you know, the reason why, as they were telling us was, uh, okay, so they got the divorce and basically I what I I came down to it was the fact that it was actually the male, it was actually the husband who wanted the dog, whereas the wife, I don't think she did so much. But what ended up happening, the kids became attached to our dog, you know, and but but the kids ended up going with the wife and she didn't want the dog. So he was saying that, you know, so the husband said that he couldn't take the dog because the apartments he moved in didn't allow pets. I'm like. We're in Houston. They, they, they pour water yeah. on a piece of concrete and our apartment shoots up in five seconds around here. There's so many like, you know, high rise and everything else around it. So I'm sure you could have found another place to live that accepts yeah. oh, talent. Exactly. So nice, yeah. nice try, buddy. Nice try with that one. So what ended up happening, you can tell, you can tell he, that Buddha was very much abused, you know, basically kept a shock call on him. And I think they kept him like in a room by himself or like in a garage uh. by himself or whatever else and didn't deal with him. And, you know, she's like, well, you know, you guys come, you know, keep him for a couple of days and see if you like him and blah, blah. And let me tell you, especially with my wife, because she she will spoil a dog quickly. <laughs> After a couple of days, when that when that family came back just to check on him and see if we were going to keep him, he was like he, he jumped on one of the kids and pretty much like ran to us. Like he was like, oh, Aww. I'm not going back with these people. I'm staying here. It's a wrap. Aww. And for a while, for months, he wouldn't even let anybody come in our house. Because he was like, this is my home. I don't want anyone coming to disrupt this. You know, so it took exactly. a while. So now, you know, he's friendly with everyone now because he knows that he's safe and he's not going anywhere. Exactly. But it just amazes yeah. me when some idiot says, Oh yeah, I couldn't keep the dog because, you know,
1: my landlord wouldn't allow it. I'm like, F your landlord. So like, get a new Absolutely.
0: one. It's just that simple. Yeah. <laughs> you know, come on.
1: No, I bet I was in that situation in Santa Monica and that there's a lot of hypocrisy in Santa Monica because it tries to come off as this ultra liberal town. Aggressive. Right. Yeah, progressive, exactly, but good good luck trying to find an apartment that allows dogs there. It's probably one out of every 100 that does, and I was in an apartment before I got my dog, and then you weren't allowed to have dogs there, but and I was just fostering her. I ended up keeping her, Mona, and then it, it got to the point where I was able to delay Having to move for a long time, and then it got to the point where the landlord got fed up, and she's like, "Okay, you're gonna to have to make a choice. You either get rid of the dog or move." I was like, "Choice? You think that's a choice?" I was like, Are you "Kidding me? That's the easiest decision of all time. You think I'm gonna give up my dog to stay here?" I was like, "It's the only apartment in in Los Angeles." But people, and then sometimes if people have dogs, and then they they move into a place that doesn't allow dogs. Now, why did you pick exactly. that place? When you yeah, have a dog, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's the part that really baffles me. It's like, yeah, my new apartment doesn't allow dogs. It's like, well, why did you move there then, dipshit? If you, what if they didn't allow kids? You still you're just going to
2: take your kids exactly. to the orphanage? <laughs> <You know>? right. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. <laughs> You know, the other thing we're seeing is we're seeing an upturn in violence against animals. And we're seeing animals end up in the shelter with various breakages and, you know, Mm -hmm. various things which have shown that human violence was occurring.
1: Yeah, that's happening here, too. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's happening there, too.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's Uh, what they were telling me at Nevada SPCA. They're getting quite a bit of that. Animals with abusive backgrounds ending up over there. Yep,
2: yep, yep. And uh, we've got a great trainer, and so we work with them because these these dogs will fight back. We took that little dog, oh yeah, you, and
3: my god, yeah. yeah,
2: great training. He's fine, and the right situation. And these animals, right. they can all be turned around. They just need stability and love. That's all they yeah. need.
1: Yeah, very, very quickly. Then,
0: That's
2: it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's so I mean, they're no different. They're true.
0: no different than children who, you know, who come from exactly. abuse situations or, or in foster care or whatever. They just, look, man, are you going to, are you going to collect a check this month and dump me off to another family? That's all they want to, like, okay, should I get used to you or not? And after a while, they stop right. getting used to people. It's like, okay, I know this is temporary right. and let me just prepare. Me. It becomes a survival mechanism for them. So they right. don't want right. to get attached to anything, right. you know, but at the end that's of the day, right. it's just like, that's all they want to know is like, am I safe here? You know, are you right. going to be good to me? They don't ask for right. much. It's just like you know, no. just, just don't no. hurt me. That's all. Just exactly. Don't hurt
2: me. Exactly. Start there. And that's.
0: I'm not even. Unfair. They're not even to the love part unfair. and caring and rubbing and petting. I was like, dude, just yes. don't hurt me, or otherwise I'm gonna have to try to hurt you because I'm an animal. That's exactly. what we do. Exactly. <laughs> you know?
2: exactly. Pure
0: basic exactly. animal instinct.
2: That's right. So that's what we're we're looking to get more older animals out and abused animals out because those are the ones that just break yeah. our hearts. Those are yeah. the ones that just, you know, those are the ones that nobody's going to take.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean that's why that's why I always look for. Not every single time, you know, we got this puppy Raina. She obviously would have been adopted pretty fast, but it was just after after having the last two dogs. I mean, I, and I still have Grover and we've got Mickey. But after the last two seniors, I was like, let me just change it up a little bit. Let me get a puppy for a while. I'm definitely going to get more seniors in the years to come, no doubt about it. That's definitely going to happen. But I also wanted. People at the dog park to see me with the senior. I wanted them to know I rescued a senior, not for a pat on the back. I just wanted them to see it. I wanted them to see that people are yeah. doing this because a lot yeah, of times yeah, so people possible. don't. A lot of times people don't even think about. It. They're, they're not even thinking about That's the right. idea of rescuing an older dog. They're like, oh, I don't know anyone who's rescued an older dog. Why should I? But I want them to see someone doing it, and then to see these dogs being active and to see these dogs being yeah.
4: still That's energetic, wonderful.
1: being playful yeah. and so forth. But do 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 it's, it's funny the so conversations involved. you would have. With people though, is, you know, I remember talking to one lady. She's like, Oh, I couldn't do that. I would feel bad when they die. I was like, Well, <laughs> I was like, It's not about you, lady. <laughs> you know? Well, how about this? Do you feel good about them dying in a shelter alone? How about that? And then, you know, I just said that to her in a non confrontational way and she got it. You know, it just stuck in her head a little good. bit. That's good. But that's you good. on the flip side of that,
0: it's like, even that puppy that you're going to rescue or a dog, maybe two or three years old, you know, they're going to die one day too, right? How are you gonna feel? that
1: yes. You think you exactly. think because you got them young, they're gonna live forever?
3: You know. Come on. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'll put
1: it on them. I'm like I'm like, hey, you could die too. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's me. In fact, no, that's my There's a guarantee. True.
0: It's guaranteed. <laughs> one guarantee in life:
3: gonna die.
1: <laughs> what if, what if you outlive this dog? You ever think about that? So you're getting a, it's like you're 75 and you got a puppy. It's like didn't you think about what's going to happen to this dog when you probably die before this puppy does. <laughs> you like know? You're <laughs> you know, we'll think about that.
0: old men who were like went pregnant. I'm like, dude, you know you're 80 years old. You're gonna you're not gonna <laughs> see your child graduate. You know that, right? <laughs> Come on, um, man. <laughs> yeah.
3: That's it. That's it.
1: Well, well, hey, Melia, where can people find out more about what's the website and where can people find um, out more? The about? website
2: is. Uh, www.vstafoundation.org and they can learn about us and all the things that we're working on. We've got nine programs and they can read all about it, um, all about the things that we are doing and contact us, call us on our hotline, tell us their thoughts, get involved, just get involved in any way that they want.
1: Right, perfect. And also, there's just real one real quick thing also for for people that are reluctant to adopt or maybe pick up a, mm-hmm. even any dog, especially a senior, you can still go to the shelter and walk these dogs. You know, you can take Absolutely. one day out of the week, take the dog out for the day. But like, hey, I'm gonna pick up. I'm gonna pick up this 15 year old guy. And I'm gonna spend the afternoon with him. You can still oh. do stuff like, like that. in Austin. It makes a big difference.
0: In Austin actually, they have a program in Austin where I think it's called an hour a day, and you know, you just sit there and you sign up and. You just pick a day and you just go and walk a dog. You know, it's like people from all over the city, they do that. And, you know, so is that, and Austin, I think probably, I think maybe has the highest number of no-kill shelters, I think, in the country as well. So they're very, what? they're very on point when it comes to rescues in Austin, yep. man. But, you know, it doesn't take much, an hour. Come on, an hour on a. What? just say like a saturday or something like that come on man just talk about cuz that that goes a long way for these animals they're like oh exactly. you know it's better than just sitting there being stared at through a kennel and, and waiting for someone to pick me you know pick me <laughs> you know cuz exactly. i know that gets old too if you're an animal like dude really
4: well that, that's it, one like, thing i like about, about Nevada
1: SPCA they don't allow that anymore where you just walk in and you just go down yeah. each row look Shop. at each dog now yeah, exactly. now, it's, now they have a computer screen at the front desk where it says okay pick the dogs you want to see and we'll bring them out to you but we don't want to a bunch of oh, people just walking around beautiful. here yeah because oh, it's it, it's great. like it's like what sincere said you yeah, just I have these people up. walking by ogling and looking you like oh look at this guy oh look at this dog it just makes them yeah, it's a cheaper more anxious it's a cheaper zoo anxiety.
0: yeah it's a cheap dog yeah. zoo at yeah. that
1: point or a cat zoo. yeah yeah same exactly. thing so I thought that was a really thing. good idea I thought that was I a really good idea and plus you don't know, you don't really I mean it's overwhelming too. you you're just looking at one dog after another after another and then they're barking and some are agitated It's better just to look at the screen, read their background, be like, okay, this dog looks like he or she may be a good fit. Let's take a look at One at a time, they bring out each dog. See how they interact with your dogs if you have animals. That's a much better system for everyone involved.
2: Much better. Much better. And, you know, just to one last thing I just want to say. Everybody Uh. can do something. There's nothing that's unimportant. Everything is important. As long as it comes from the heart, it's important. So I just want to let everybody who's listening know anything that you feel compelled to do to help anyone, anything, is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And you don't have to have any desires to have huge amounts of money or huge amounts of time or huge, none of that's important. One thing makes a huge difference.
1: Yeah, Uh, that's a great point. Uh, That's a great place to leave it at. And then people can follow you at Twitter as well. So I'll make sure to retweet this episode and tag you guys when this when it's Thank out. Thank you. Encourage people Thank to follow you. you all there. Stay up to date on everything you're doing. But thanks, okay. Elaine. Thanks again for coming on, spending so much time. Great information as always. Thank you guys for stuff.
2: inviting me. Anytime. I, I love you what you guys are doing and what you're about. It's wonderful. You're doing yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, we'll definitely have you
1: won't be another three years before we have you back on. I'd <laughs> like right. to have you on go regularly. <laughs> okay,
3: <laughs> so we'll get you back on soon. Great.
1: Thanks a lot, Thank Melia. Thank you. Have a great day. Take Thank
3: care. You. Great to talk to both of you. Bye. Have yep, a great
1: afternoon. Take care. Bye. Thank
3: you. Too. Bye. Yes,
1: yeah, so that's it's always inspiring to talk to someone like Melia. and we, we've... Just had so many different, I mean, there's always depressing things every year. So I'm not, I, I'm not acting like this year is somehow a whole lot different than other years have been. But we have, we have this, we have, we have celebrities committing suicide. We had this horrible event that happened in, where in I grew up. Virginia. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't grow up in Charlottesville, Virginia. but I grew up, I grew up in Virginia. And that, right. I was watching the vice episode on that whole incident and they were talking to a lot yeah. of these white nationalists, which you didn't see on CNN, right? Vice actually interviewed these white nationalists. Exactly. And that, that was really disheartening for me to watch because oh. I, I, I didn't, I wasn't friends obviously with people like that growing up, but I had interacted with, I, I came across people like that growing up in Virginia. This is the 1990s. And to still, yes. I, I, I'm not delusional. It's not like I don't realize that there's still people like that out there. But when you see these people talking and what they have to say, it's pretty disheartening. <laughs> you know, it's pretty demoralizing.
0: I mean, yeah, between that and like saying you know losing like a college friend over the weekend, like I just found out today about that. Yeah. You know, again, yeah, it's like well. it's like almost just almost labeling this as suicide summer, man. It's just like you know so many yeah. things. You know, it just keeps popping up, and, and that right there, I think just really, it was really too close to home for me. So it just kind of yeah. really threw me off. So it's kind of, I can say that. This episode was very therapeutic because just the beginning of the episode, like, you know, I was, man, I was just really just trying to just, just be here, you know, just like, Hey, you know, I, was, I pretty much my mind I was like, okay, this is pretty much going to be just Melia and Mike, you know, dealing with this. But this became therapy for myself because again, just like Melia said, you know, I, I saw things bigger than what was going on and there's things I can do. I mean, we are just our platform alone. Our last episode on the premium episode, when we talked about depression, it's like, dude, you're, you don't have to feel hopeless, you know, about this, like you're doing your part. You're getting the message out there. And, you know, and now it's, it's, here's another situation where it's not just one of those things where we're just talking out of our ass because, oh, you know, we, we're just kind of, people may think we're just writing this because, you know, at that point it was a celebrity that did it and that was all the thing that was in the news now. It's like, it made it a little bit more personable and made it a little bit more, it validated the whole point a lot more when it's that yeah. personal. It's like, okay, here's a dude. Look, dude, honestly, you know, I was just talking to a friend, you know, she was a client, but she, you know, we became really good friends and, we were both friends with, you know, with our friend who just, you know, who just passed over the weekend. We met yeah. him at different points in our lives, but we all went to the same university. And it's just crazy how the, the certain, the small degrees of separation, you know, it's so funny. You know, 10 years ago, like we were at her birthday party. He shows up. I'm like, dude, what are you doing here? And I hadn't seen him since 1990, you know, since our freshman year and he was roommates with my best friend at the time. And, you know, we all were roommates or whatever. And. You know, so man, we were just happy to see each other. We were just catching up, and you know, we had a daughter and all these other things, and you know, it was just good to see him. It's like, and honestly, you know, I told him this, and I was just talking to her about this. Like, this dude is single hand ha- single handedly responsible for me to even be aware and to even like Depeche Mode. You know, because when <laughs> I just remember our freshman year when um, you know the album with Enjoy the Silence came out. Like, oh, this is a time when we had vinyl and we actually had turntables in our dorm rooms. I remember this dude would play Enjoy the Silence. Fifty, like back to back to back, all day every day, to the point like at first I was like, man, turn that crap off. To the point where I end up loving the freaking song and and I started playing it in my DJ sets. It was because of him. Like I bought that album because of him because he explained to me, like, hey man, they're cool because this this because I was so anti new wave back then. But he's like, nah, man, they're bigger than this all this all this stuff. So anytime I hear like Depeche Mode, I always thought about him. And now if I hear it now, I'll think about him even more so. And you know, and it was just one of those little things where it's like. Instead of being sad, I'm grateful for it. There's a little piece of him that I, that's going to always be with me when I, that's how I look at it like that. So, you know, and, but it's just crazy to put so many things in perspective. And it's like, okay, that just makes, it just validates the the journey I'm on to really get, to help get education out there and information out there regarding mental health and to show people that, you know, you know, it's crazy because all my friends that knew him, you know, they were kind of like, man, I didn't know that, you know, I thought everything was cool. He was just posting about the Astros the other day and everything seemed great. And then like the next day this happened. So I'm like, yeah. I said he's I guess he's put on a brave face. I said, so many people do because a lot of times they don't want to bother people. They you know right. in fact they they spend their life trying to because they're feeling so bad inside and dealing with their demons, they want to make sure no one else is feeling demons like that. So they go above and beyond to make people laugh and keep them happy. That's why so many comedians, you know, are in this situation. That's why they choose comedy. It's their therapy for them. So by making, you know, helping you laugh and entertaining you and being on stage and, you know, and, and performing and like, you know, like
1: Chris Cornell and Chester and all those guys. Well, you know, all, for that, all moment, that stuff is like, just okay. distracting. It's just distracting yeah, yeah, you from, that's her, what from your thoughts. But they feel like, like what Chester said. They feel
0: like they're. Yeah, they're, they feel like they're you know helping you out, but and they think they're helping themselves out and feeling good at that moment. But the problem is, when the show is over, you know, when it ends, you have to go back to dealing with it. It's no different than alcohol abuse or you know or drug abuse. It's like once you come off that high, because that's what all the stuff is. Yeah, you know, you even someone that, you know down. personally, and they're the they're the biggest jokester, you know, or they're always you know seeming happy around you. That's a high for them if they see you smile. But once you go home, they got to go back and deal with their life. And deal with their deal with their thing. So I, like I mentioned a few minutes ago with when we were talking to her. you got to know who you are. And a lot of times, you know, who you are is not that person that makes everyone happy. That's not ne- that's a byproduct of who you are. That's not necessarily knowing who you are. It's a, it's a byproduct. So what you're doing is you are putting the carriage before the horse. You see the end result, which we make a mistake in so many parts of life of getting that end result, trying to focus on this is what I want to happen and actually going straight to that. Go directly past go instead of the process of getting there. Well, look, man, you can't make other people happy until you're happy yourself. Otherwise, it's a fake happiness. A lot of times those people, they seem like they're happy when you're around. You're a distraction for them, too. You're both dealing with the same crap. (laughs) You know, and guess what? Once you both leave each other, you both are probably dealing with your crap, your personal crap in your own way. So it's like that's why you really got to make sure you, you surround yourself with the right people that you can talk to. You don't have to internalize this stuff, man. You don't have to internalize. It. Talk to a professional. Talk to some people that get it. Not just a bunch of yes people too, who just like, oh no, no, you're a good person. You don't have to worry about that. You shouldn't feel that way. No, no one should tell you how you should feel. Feel the way you feel. What they should do is just listen. They should just shut the. Yeah, hell no one up should tell listen. you, and no, no, no one, no on.
1: one also knows. No one knows how you feel about something. Exactly. You know, so they can't tell you how you should feel. They don't. They're not. They're not you. They're not experiencing what you are at that exactly. moment. And guess what? If you're feeling that, man, you
0: got every right in the world to feel that. But get it out. Because trust me, you can only consume so much, man, before you're going to explode. You know, just let it out some way, somehow. And like, listen, you know, our premium listeners, if you're not a premium listener, go become one. Listen to the episode there. Are, find those little outlets, man, to help get some of that stuff out. You know, I know, of course, when people think of you and me, the first thing you're going to mind, why well, just? Yeah, I know you guys are going to say, go work out like you'd be surprised the things we talk about, <laughs> you know, on just like letting out those things and. You know, the biggest thing is to not let it fester, man, and let it build up. So, like, as soon as we just become very aware, when you just feel a little twinge, like, oh, I'm starting to feel a little, okay, got a little pattern here of darkness uh, with my thinking. I need to slow down a moment. Yeah. Here. Like, okay, what's going yeah. what's going on sincere? What what's what's really happening? And it's not the fact that you know this just happened right now and it pissed you off. Like, nah, you've been getting you've been snappy a lot lately. And, you know, especially if my wife brings it up, she's like, okay, you're getting really snappy, which for me is not common. You know, because I just don't let things bother me. So if I'm starting to snap at just little things, she knows something's off. And that makes me stop like, whoa, you, you know what? You're right. And I can recount, you know, when I was being snappy about something. I'm like, okay, you're letting the fact that this red light is taking forever piss you off? No, nah, that red light is not pissing you off. Some other things are pissing you off. What's going on, man? And then start trying to address that situation. And Whether I find the solutions, whatever resources are necessary to make it happen, or if I just need to talk it out sometimes that's all you need to do, just talk it out. You know, there's times, it's like, you and I, just our private conversation, whatever, it helps. You're just getting that out. Yeah. I'm not necessarily say, yeah. like, hey, man, I got an issue with this. It just may be something we're talking about that's kind of related to what right. I'm dealing with. And I don't necessarily have to try to bring you down like, yeah, man, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm feeling like blah, blah, blah. blah." <laughs> but at the same time, I also know that, you know, you're a trusted friend. And maybe sometimes i would be like, hey, man, look, man, I'm feeling up right now, you know, by so-and-so. But by the time it's over, because I know you get it because yeah. you, you've dealt with it. You know, where, right. and you don't sit there and, and patronize me like, no, nah, man, you are better than that, though. Don't worry about that, bro. Look, whoa. <laughs> I know I'm better than that. I'm just not feeling like I'm better <laughs> than that right now. <laughs> don't tell me things are I mean,
1: Any kind of patronizing situation is always irritating. I, mean, I was, I was at a concert walking down the link to meet up with Dave Gunter. We saw Dead Cross last Friday. And so I'm just walking down, minding my own business. And I'm, I'm walking by one of these restaurants and they always have the girls out in front of the restaurants to try to attract chumps to come eat there, right. <laughs> come eat their crappy food. Anytime <laughs> you see two good looking girls in front of a restaurant, you know the food isn't any good <laughs> because you have to right. use these right. ulterior motives <laughs> to get someone to come in there. Shit. So anyway, I'm just walking along and one of them's like, smile. I know you want to smile. Smile. And I just ignored her completely. But in my head, I'm like, you know what? Right. I put up a Twitter post about this too. I go, I hate when strangers tell other people to smile. It's like, just shut the fuck up and mind your own business. You <laughs> know, that was the Twitter post. I was like, I don't have to walk around smiling like an idiot to be happy. I don't have to put on a a false face like a lot of people that are doing that. A lot of people are walking around smiling because they think that's what they should do. It's like, oh, I want people to think I'm
3: happy.
1: (laughs) Or it's it's a power trip because when guys look at a female, it's like, hey –
0: Why why are you smiling? You should smile more. Okay, you just walk past her. You don't even know who she is. Well, I can tell you 100%
1: 100 (laughs) of women hate that. That won't make sense.
0: Exactly. You're not going to
1: talk to a woman in your life who thinks that's somehow cute or a nice icebreaker. They all think it's stupid. It's kind of like hitting on women at the gym, right? 100% of the time, they find it irritating. That's why most women quit gyms. <laughs> right. you know? They're there to right. work out. They're not there to talk to your dumb ass. See, see those headphones she has on? That's what she's doing. She's working out. Man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. So, you know, take your take your moment of feeling like you can have some type of power with someone somewhere else. Because that's what it's really about when yeah. guys do that to females. It's just like yeah. it's a power thing. You know, like, oh, well, hey, hey, honey, why are you not smiling? Because uh, I just saw you're dumb ass. <laughs> <It's very upsetting. laughs> like,
1: like, I mean, it's I, just I just could just always give some really smart ass comments or like or a sarcastic response. I just pretend I don't even hear it. And I just <laughs> probably what most right. women do in a situation when some idiot guy is like, hey, baby, smile. <laughs> right. But but it's that notion of if you're not walking around smiling, you're not happy. It's like why do I have to walk around exactly. smiling? I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm just gonna get premature wrinkles. People smile too much. See all these people exactly. with these, these old people wrinkles because you fucking smile too much. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any wrinkles. I'm not gonna have any wrinkles. I don't sit around. I don't waste smiles. I, I save it that's for situations resting, where it's that's merited. it's resting bitch face. Okay, that's
4: why resting bitch
3: face is a thing.
1: <laughs> that's why
0: Vivian Lee was so damn beautiful from Gone with the Wind because she is yeah. prime example
1: of resting bitch face. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't just walk around laughing. <laughs> you know? no. if, if something's funny, I'm going to laugh. I don't, I don't just walk around laughing for no reason. So, why should I walk around smiling for no reason? <laughs>
3: <You
1: know>? Right. <laughs> oh,
0: man. Well, cool, man. So, anything else before we jet out of here? No, nah, we can
1: wrap it up there. I mean, that's uh, plenty of information.
0: You guys know what to do. Somebody head to those websites, mikemauler.com. Doordoortrain.com. Use that coupon code LLA and get a nice little discount. A little discount,
1: but yeah, get ten percent off it. and and have it. Have a reason to have it. You're gonna have a smile on your face <laughs> after you go place an, an order for some products. That's for sure. It'll be genuine too. Be one of these fake smiles you put on. Go <laughs> go support us. You're gonna have a smile on your face. Like man, those guys are putting out great information. I'm gonna go sign up at Patreon right now and become a member. You can't help but have a smile. In fact, on your face if you go do in fact, that. have
0: a bigger smile. If Give a bigger smile if you become a Patreon member because that discount goes up depending on which tier that you become a monthly member. Like, uh, we just had someone that went to the highest one with, uh, $50 a month. He's going to be yeah, smiling. Nice. He has a
1: nice discount code. Okay. Hey, put a, he, he, he put a smile good. on our faces too. You, you told me about yeah, that. I had a smile yeah. on my face. I'm like, and I know the guy. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've known that guy for yeah. a long time. And came out to some of my early courses. He
0: supported us in many ways prior to that. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. you know, I wasn't surprised when I saw the name, but I was very grateful, you know, for the, you know, for that, that monthly support. You know, I was like, okay, that's what I'm talking about right there. That's a true supporter of the show right there. So, you know, get on board like him and go to patreon.com slash podcast, Become a monthly supporter because honestly, probably, most likely, in a, about a month or so, your smile is probably going to turn into a frown if you just, <laughs> you've just been depending on the free shows all these years, you know, because... Yeah, time is running out. <laughs> okay, so, and it's only right. It's only fair. You know, it's like to reward of those smiling people even more. It's like, okay, they're, they're definitely letting us know that, hey man, this is our show. You know, we're big supporters of the show. We're, we're, we're right there with you guys. Okay. And this is how we pay you back. So, you know, though you sit, it's just like someone that sits there and they work hard and they make their money every week, but then somebody's there with a handout saying, hey, I need my fair share, but they've done nothing to earn that money that this other person did, but they want a cut of that person's money. I'm like, okay, right. so, no. What what is a fair share? What have you done? Well, I listened to the show, so just like you did, <laughs> yeah. But I'm I'm paying, you know, you know, I'm a premium supporter. Oh, that's cool and all, but you know, that's that's the choice you made. Yeah, okay. So you know, we're going to make an executive decision and honor those people too. So and it's real simple. Instead of getting pissed off, just become one of them. It's just that simple. You don't get mad like, oh, that's not fair, man. You guys not gonna do the free show anymore? No. You don't pre- No one appreciates anything for free. Look, man, if some chick was giving you the booty for free all the time, could you appreciate it? Would you be would you be loyal to her? First of all, would you trust her? <laughs> I'm like, cause you got to ask yourself, who else are you giving it to for free? Because <laughs> I know I would. Just like, OK, that was way too easy. <laughs> there was no challenge
1: whatsoever. You didn't invest anything into it. So that's oh, not that's an analogy because can you trust her if you're paying for it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, Hey, what do, I, what do I always talk about on the show? Balance. You're, you're going to get some emails okay. like, hey, all, this year, I, I've, been, I've been paying this girl 500 bucks once a week for the last five years. And man. Again,
0: guess what you got to do? You got to ask, like, who else is paying 500 bucks for this booty? <laughs> okay? so, again, people, it's all about the balance.
3: Okay. So that's why those
0: tiers that we have for patreon we have a nice balanced tier going there that there's there's something for everyone there so it depends where you are so but one
1: thing about it the free is gonna to have to go okay, so. yeah it's got, it's got to go and then also it will be incentivized also to take it to, to pump up the, the, the volume as it were meaning that exactly. when we first started the show we used to crank out two episodes a week and I remember we start I remember when we dialed it back to one people were like oh what happened man I you know I love listening to you guys two times a week eight episodes a month it's like, well, it's, we, it's when it's completely free, it's it's hard to justify allocating that much time because it is a good amount of time to put so that in means, the, making, that means making we stopped, a solid show. That means yeah. about two to four hours a week that we're dedicating to the show. Yeah, and, and then the, you're, you're editing. It's a lot of work for you too because you're editing these episodes yeah. and so forth. So two episodes a week, show there's got to be some incentives yeah. to do that. Now, if we're doing a 100% subscription show, and it starts piling up. You know, we're a lot more incentivized to crank out two episodes a week exactly. or or even more. You know, but, exactly. but it's definitely not right now.
0: Trust me, there's far more that we would like to do. It's just like, hey man, you've got to justify that though. It's just like a business. Right. A lot of businesses want to grow and like a smart business. There are a lot of things they want to do to build the company, but again, they have to justify those costs. They got to justify investing into doing those things and expanding like that. It's the same thing here. This is a business too. So not, we're not just doing this for fun, because trust me, we're just doing this just for fun. This would have ended on episode 10, <laughs> like most most podcasts that are done for fun, you know, where you go and you find like a topic and you're like, oh, that seems like a cool podcast. And then you look, the last episode was June 2012. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, I guess, I guess it wasn't fun anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, you don't make it to like 200 plus episodes just for fun. Okay. Right, right. But there you go, people. Make it happen and also share the episode on social media. Pick your pick your poison where you want to share it. We appreciate that too. All right. So other than that, we'll catch you on the next one. So take care everybody.
1: All right folks, take care.